Welcome to the 256th episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we'll be talking about it. Today we are recording on October 27th, 2021. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com, and 50% of this here show with me is the man who's only using his ears, Carlos Rodella. That's me. I use my ears to listen, and then I use my mouth to say words on a podcast. W- what is that about? Uh, the You are not using your eyes to see me today. Oh, there's no video today for this episode. Yes. That's right. We did horrible, horrible video last time, <laughs> and today we're doing only sweet, sweet audio. I don't know. Horrible, horrible video. I got a couple good clips out of it. <laughs> Nothing to do with your editing. I just, I, you know, it's weird for me to be on camera, even if we're not really even doing anything, which is actually double weird because I have a, you know, when I'm doing my real daytime job, I have an extremely visible job where I'm the center of attention all the time. But when I'm at home podcasting, it feels different. Like my brain's in a different zone. And I'm like, I don't want people looking at me. For whatever reason, even though when I go to work, people look at me all the time. So it's strange. It's fine. It makes uh, you want that separation of church and state. Yeah, that's probably it. I like church in one way and I like state the other way and and never the twain shall meet. Yeah, exactly. let's get rid of that saying. As soon as I said it, it just it felt wrong saying I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to say church and state anymore. I won't. All right. It is banned from the show. We will never say it again. All right, folks, we have, as per usual, a very, very packed show. And we've got a couple of Halloween selections coming up, which I think is great. Let's get things kicked off this episode with housekeeping. As you all know, Carlos and I share a living space. It is a giant house divided down the middle with a strip of duct tape. I have a few things on my side this week. Carlos, what do you got on your side? Well, a few things. First off is State of Play happened today. Oh, that's right. I missed it. I was super busy, which I'll talk about in a minute. But uh, tell us all about it. Well, it's only a few things. Uh, Last episode or last time they did a state of play, um, I was kind of like, ah, it's not going to be much of a big thing. And then they released a ton of stuff. This time it wasn't much of a big thing. So, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. It's just a few announcements. Uh, But the number one thing that they mentioned that you're going to like quite a bit is the first thing they mentioned on the whole show. And it is. Let It Die, Deathverse. Really? So what is that? Is it an expansion or is it a sequel? You know, I don't know because I'm bad at my job. (laughs) But I watched uh, part of the trailer. I was actually doing something else as it was starting. And I said, what is this? Like, people are just, like, killing each other in, like, third person and running around. And and was it a battle royale? I'm not sure. But then after they showed this trailer of just a bunch of third person, you know, violence, uh, it said... Death first. And I was like, what game is that? And then it said, let it die. Interesting. Interesting. You know, I really loved that game when it came out. I played it like for at least like 200 hours, if probably closer to 300, honestly. I mean, I did a um, giant deep dive podcast about it. I think I wrote a guide for it. I mean, you like, are I, in love with that. I really got into it like hardcore. I have some memorabilia from it. Our uh, instant pot. My wife has an instant pot. I posted a picture of this uh, a couple days ago. We have a, we had a custom decal made for the Instant Pot, and on the side of the Instant Pot is Uncle Death from Let It Die. So whenever we have a piece of beef or chicken, and we throw it in the Instant Pot. We nice. let it die in there. Yeah, you let it die. I love that, and I you know it's funny because um, I was thinking about that game the other day and wondering just like what happened to it. Like it it seemed to kind of just keep going without much of an end game, and I'm not sure that they were prepared to really end it. I'm not sure they knew what they were going to do once people finished it. Uh, and a live service game like that, you got to have kind of an end game. So I, I think they str- struggled a little bit. Um, and I, I guess it's still running. I haven't checked in in years, but 
I'd be very interested in revisiting that universe for sure. Well, I'm pretty sure as I relook up the trailer, it is, I don't want to say Battle Royale, but it's definitely multiplayer. So it's a melee multiplayer survival action game is what they're calling it. And that's what I just saw as I kind of caught the tail end of it was like a bunch of, yeah, crazy looking characters uh, fighting each other. And if you like that world and you like those characters and you can handle multiplayer, then you might be up for this. You know, that's curious because the first uh, Let It Die had a pretty significant online portion, but it was all asynchronous. You never fought another player in real time. You created a character and then the AI controlled that character for you against other people. So actually doing multiplayer, I don't know, you know, interesting. I'd want to check it out, but I know that I don't have the time or energy to devote the way that other people do. And I would constantly be the noob who's getting killed because, you know, some people just can afford to spend six months playing a game and I can't. So interesting to see how that will balance out. Yeah, like you said, that asynchronous was like kind of a charm about the first one. Yeah, I think. yeah, it was kind of cool. It was kind of cool. So, uh, the other thing they showed is uh, we are OFK, which is a very interesting concept, which I would love to see more of. Which is there's a band, and I think they're just called OFK, and the game that's coming out is like a biopic game. They called it. Are you saying this is a real life music brand? Yes. Band? Yeah, okay. yeah, I, a real band. Okay. Uh, the band and a brand. Band. <laughs> I know I stumbled on that word there. I um, have never heard of them. Is it a new up and coming popular thing? I don't know. I'm old. I have, no, no. You, it's not about being old. I, don't, I haven't heard of them either. They might be an indie band, um, and maybe I'm I'm wrong, but I I don't think I've heard of them before. But okay. the idea of the game is cool because essentially it's a uh, you're playing through the game as like the different characters from the band, and it's in a five episode series. But then you actually play uh, like some of their songs and make music videos. I think from the songs they have. Hmm. And there's flirting and like sexting and like you know uh, romance is this a, stuff. A grown-ups game, or is it like a visual novel kind of presentation? Or uh, they really didn't show what the presentation was. Give me there's a lot of cutscenes, a lot of um, there was some third-person stuff. It's kind of a question mark of what it is. It really was kind of a cutscene-heavy trailer, but uh, yeah, it's just kind of a genre bond- bending or bonding, either one. Either way, yeah. And you might Both. bond in this game because yeah, there's some romance. So yeah. Anyways, we are okay. Just check it out. Look for the look at the trailer. I think you might dig it. All right, cool. I've never heard of it, but I'll check it out. And then they talked about bug snacks, and I was like, oh yeah, I never finished that game, so never mind. Um, <laughs> some sort of DLCs coming out. And then First Class Trouble, which is a game that's been on PC, and they're bringing it to console. Oh yeah, that's kind of like a Among Us, but with like a more stylized realistic presentation like you look like richie english people or something right yeah totally yeah. it's uh yeah. and you one person is a robot or many people i think can be robots it's robots and gotcha and residents uh and then my favorite thing my two favorite things were the last two favorite things they showed or two things they showed is star ocean uh the divine force a new star ocean okay and if you don't know i love star ocean series it's a sci-fi rpg which we do not get enough of so I want that immediately. Uh, even though it's an action RPG, it looked a little dated in the graphics, but whatever. If the playability is great. And they sure. finally got gave a really big update on Little Devil Inside. Oh, yeah. That was one that really, I think, caught both of our attention when they showed it what, last year or six months ago or something. Yeah, yeah. It had a different name, remember? He had to change the name for some reason. Uh, I think they had a representation of a character that I think some people felt was offensive to indigenous people and i think that he had to go back and change some of the graphics he the people i believe just were really sorry they said nothing was intended and i think they like immediately went back 
to change things, which is exactly what you should do. So good job on that. And I believe that's that's what the delay was. So right, but it looks incredible and unique, and I just cannot wait for this game. A couple yeah, of things, same, same. couple of things they showed that that we had not seen before, which is the overworld map. Uh, in the game, you play as like an adventurer, a little character who's an adventurer going on different missions and almost in a Death Stranding vibe. And the fact that he's got a backpack that's pretty big and he's got like equipment and he has to craft and cook food and stuff. And, you know, he goes out into the wild to like figure out what to do and, and missions to, to find. And the overworld map is very interesting because it's totally different graphics. It's almost like uh, you remember the Weeble Wobbles? You mean like those little toys for like preschoolers? Yeah, because we're old enough to remember that, and everybody listening has no idea. But yeah, yeah. They yeah. were little toys, you know, and uh, they look like like little eggs. So the characters in the overworld map look like that. So they're almost like little toys, and you move around the map, which looks like a huge diorama or something. And there's events that take place on the map, and then every once in a while, it cuts into the actual gameplay. And what the characters really look like, and that's like the stylized look that you saw in the trailer. And he fights things, and you know he goes on adventures and stuff. It just looks much more uh, expansive in its kind of concept than I think we originally thought it was. Interesting. Okay, yeah, that one really caught my eye. I mean, the parts that we saw, love the art style, love the concept. From what little we knew about it, um, seemed like definitely like a strong hunting angle and adventuring sort of a thing. So, yeah, I'm definitely interested to uh, to see more for sure. Super cool. Do uh, you want to go for a couple of boxes? Yeah, that's fine. I don't have a whole lot of stuff. I mean, first off, um, just really quickly, man, when you become a homeowner, and this is not in any way a humble brag at all. I mean, like we, my, my wife and I do own a house, but it was only after like 10 years of scrimping and saving, and we just really got lucky, and et cetera, et cetera. I'm not, I'm not saying like, oh, yeah, we're a homeowner's no big deal. Owning a home is a real fucking big deal, and I, I'm very fortunate. We're very lucky. But once you own a home, if you've never owned a home, the secret about house ownership that no one really talks about is that your homes are constantly like disintegrating and falling apart like 24 7 like you look at a house and you're like that looks like a good house looks like a cozy house solid house no way man every house on earth is just crumbling before your eyes <laughs> shit falling apart breaking down things just like decaying and just like oh dude like i, I can't even begin to describe how much shit breaks in your house do you know what that's called it's called entropy Exactly. It is it is a, a house entropy or physical entropy or whatever. The yeah. energy of the universe is leaving yeah. houses. Like it's the earth saying, we don't want you to live in one spot for more than six months. Get the fuck out. Anyway, um, we had like uh, the, the bomb cyclone, which hit the West Coast a couple days ago or whatever. And we were having some patio trouble already with the roof. The people who flipped the house that we bought did kind of a slapdash job on the patio roof. And we didn't notice it right off the bat. But the longer we lived in the house, we're like, oh, you know, it actually leaks quite a bit. And, oh, they didn't do a very good job on this. Whatever. It looked fine for the, the two months it took to sell the house, which is really what a flipper's goal is anyway, right? So the whole a whole bunch of the roof, like, fell off. Like, the, the like a big chunk fell off. Water started pouring down. Like, the whole thing was just basically, like, unusable. We tried to patch it up. Couldn't do it. So I've spent the last couple of days, like, driving back and forth to... Uh, like Home Depot and Lowe's and like buying wood and getting tools and shit. And I'm going to try to fix it myself because uh, number one, home repairs are super crazy expensive. And even if I had the money to get the repairs done, which I don't, no one is available. I couldn't even get anybody to come out and take a look at the house. I called hmm. like three or four different contractors. Most of them didn't even call me back. And the one dude that did call me back is like, well, I'm not going to get to it for like nine months. 
you wow. know, he's just seeing like so backed up. So uh, I'm going to be doing a lot of YouTube searching. I'm going to be getting up on a ladder quite a bit. I'm going to be doing a lot of like roof repair. So I feel like I'm kind of behind things uh, this week in terms of gameplay and, you know, didn't watch the, uh, the state of play and stuff. Cause I've been, I've been driving and last, last yesterday, my son and I rented a U-Haul van because we had to get these giant roof tiles that were too big for my car. So we like packed in this giant van that we rented and drove around and uh, like hauled shit back and forth. And it was like a day. So that's kind of like how my week's been going so far. Dude, it's like real world shit. Um, and I've heard that same story from a lot of people uh, with this whole bomb cyclone thing, which by the way is a bomb ass name for a thing, even though it's terrible. Bomb cyclone. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and by the way, What's our what's our greatest enemy as humans on this planet? Wind. Wind. I mean, water is pretty bad too. Water I mean, too, I, but water and wind together, yeah. But it's just crazy worse, how like yeah. just a little bit of wind, in the consideration of like this whole planet, right? It's like pretty windy, not like hurricane windy, but pretty windy. Even pretty windy like ruins people's lives. So it's oh, like yeah. nuts. Yeah. Well, water is no joke as well, man. Like water, like I I spend a lot of my time dealing with water issues around the house. Which is nuts. I never would have thought that would ever be a thing. Anyway, let's get off of the old man homeowner podcast. Welcome back to housekeeping. Yeah, I know. No one oh, housekeeping, pun intended. Oh, literal, literal housekeeping wow. this week. Wow. How do we not it, lead with that? Jeez. Ah, Missed man, opportunity. You know, if we had been on it, we would have planned it that way, but we didn't plan it that way. Anyway, uh, Dune came out. Did you watch Dune? Yes, of course I did. Let's spoil it for the whole podcast listening audience <laughs> now. We're going to spoil nothing. Okay. I... Let me ask you really quickly, Carlos. Uh, so I read all the books, or at least as many of the books existed um, when I was growing up being a sci-fi reader. So I was very familiar with the source material. I saw the, what, the David, was it David Lynch? That David did the, Lynch, of course. The other dude, and he said he hates the movie, wish he had never made it. He really regrets doing that. I did totally say get Kyle it. say that? No, Lynch said that. He said he wished he never made oh, it. Oh, because he, he was, movie. again, he doesn't like bending to the rules of you know corporations and stuff. And so there's a lot of like things he had to deal with during the making of that i guess so i mean i didn't get the full i just saw a quote that somebody shared and they're like yeah he hates this movie he never wants to talk about it and whatever um so i was you know i'm pretty familiar with it and definitely looking forward to it and are you are you up on the dune verse or how like what was your anticipation level before you saw it well without too much of a tangent i'm a huge sci-fi nerd and also i've read a lot of sci-fi books but i watch a ton of sci-fi movies i've probably seen every sci-fi film I don't know, probably everyone, even bad ones. And I'm always hungry for new sci-fi. And I have seen the original Dune with uh, David Lynch. And I watch, uh, what's his name? Jaronofsky's Dune? Jodorowsky's, Jodor- yeah. I think that's it. It's a documentary that I highly recommend to everybody. We'll put it in the show notes maybe because I can't say it correctly, Jodorowsky. And I always wanted that film to be made because you know it seems like really, really epic what they were going to try to do. Uh, so I've kind of like, you know, know about the world and know about like the story in general. It's a little convoluted for my taste. I, you know, I like kind of more of a simpler setup. But that being said, I've just been hungry for epic sci-fi. And this is spoiler free, but I just think that they nailed it when it comes to the world and quickly getting you up to speed on what you need to be up to speed on. And then just presenting this really epic um, sci-fi tale. And I just love the world that they created. It's just so expansive and big. Like everything felt real and big, if that makes any sense. Yeah, for sure. I really, I mean, I liked it too. I definitely liked it for sure. Um, I think that 
a common criticism going around and one that I feel like is a fair criticism is that a lot of people felt like it was a little bit cold, like there wasn't enough um, human connection with the characters, which, you know, honestly, I kind of felt that a little bit too. But I think that is kind of due to like the setup. I mean, there's like a whole I mean, it's it's a it's a juggling act, right? Or a balancing act like you have to get people interested in the movie and you don't want to, to overwhelm them with a bunch of nonsense because people don't know what this is all about going into it. But at the same time, you have to like honor the source material and you want to deliver what this thing is actually about to the people who know what it's about. So it's like, how much do you include and how much do you not include? And I feel like um, the director, I forget what his name, the French guy, right? Uh, Vill- Villeneuve is how you pronounce his name. Is that right? Uh, yes. I think. Okay. Uh, apologies to him if I'm mispronouncing that. Um, I think he did a great job. I think I feel like he was pretty on target with including enough of the book stuff to like appease fans of the source material, but also keeping it light enough so that people who are walking in cold weren't just drowning in like lore and minutia. Um, but I do feel like it was lacking warmth and the human element, which understandable. Um, but I hope that in the second film, if it gets made, I mean, I guess a lot of it depends on the box office. It's got greenlit. Um, it already got greenlit. Oh, did it get greenlit? Yep, yep. Oh, great. We're At the all, time that I checked, everybody was it. waiting. Okay, good. Excellent. I would expect that to change. I think the second half, already knowing what's to come, should be like way more up close and personal, way more, you know, about Paul and his journey and about that stuff. So I'm expecting it to be a little bit more human in the second half. And that would be, I think, appropriate. So I have two things to say about that. One, you're right, because Zendaya was not even in this film. Barely um, any. Yeah. yeah, she's. Uh, what's the name of the actual uh, character? Uh, uh, I would just call her Zendaya because I know her from that. Yeah, I don't know what her music. actual name was. I call her Zendaya as well. Okay, well, anyway, she's going to be in it, you know, because she really wasn't in the first one, which yeah. is a little bit of trickery with marketing because all the marketing shows her and, you know, uh, Chalamet or whatever together. Exactly. So they're not really in the movie together, but that's a minor spoiler. But um, to the other point, I, like, I don't know if I want to agree to disagree or whatever, but. I just love the fact that it's cold because yeah, there's a, there's a time and place for people to connect with characters in movies and, and books and stories and video games. And that's what we want lots of times. Then there's another time, which again is this thing that I'm like craving, which is I just want to exist near or in a world that's not our own, right? There's right. not our own right. bullshit of like politics and left and right and liberals and conservatives, all that stuff. Yes. It's told in a different way. And there's still like, a terrible overarching, you know, like bad guy in this or bad, you know, system on another planet, but it's, it's foreign and it's, it's, it's alien and it's different. And I like that. And so for me, I love that it was just almost like I was looking in on a world and and I didn't need to be connected to shit. Like I didn't. (laughs) And, and by the way, and this is a minor spoiler, you know, I shouldn't even say anything else. I won't say anything else. Yeah, don't spoil anything. But the point is, I don't think it's about the characters. I think this movie is about the the mood, right? The mood and the, the tone, cinematography, the world. and yeah, yeah. I mean, like sure, like think sure. like um, you know Kubrick or something, right? Like this is just like a. I think it's a masterpiece, and like I, I don't say that very often. And and similar, last thing I'll say is similarly to Blade Runner, uh, twenty forty nine, which I have on Blu Ray, and tangent on a tangent, Blu Ray does look better than your fucking UHD digital streaming so listeners at home go buy some blu-rays because because <laughs> they actually look better um coming back from that tangent like that movie is similar to dune where it's like oh yeah there's character progression i guess but it's mainly about just watching what's going to go on in this world does that right. make sense i mean i i totally get that and i 
I, I think you were entirely correct, right? And I think that's what they were going for, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but, but that's not necessarily my favorite kind of movie. Sometimes I can go for it, sometimes I'm not. And I definitely will, like, allow it this time. Like, I think it's fine. I still liked it. It wasn't exactly what I wanted. But to be fair, I wasn't looking for this to be, like, a retelling of Star Wars where you really fall in love with the characters and you have, like, a lot of jokes and human moments. Like, I wasn't expecting that either. But, like, a little, like, a touch more warmth would have been okay. But I think also you are correct. It's about the vista the mm. size the sweeping visuals like it makes sense yeah um so i'm i definitely liked it for sure i think my whole family really liked it um even my 12 year old which was strange to me because i thought he was going to bounce halfway through being bored but he stayed all the way through and he loved it um so i'm very excited for the second one i really want to see what they want to do and knowing what's to come i'm very curious to see how they're going to cram uh whatever is left in that you know i think they're only doing two right they it's yeah. not a trilogy yeah just two and that's the problem that lynch had too like like you were saying earlier like there's so much exposition and, and like uh lore and stuff yeah and what he tried to do which is probably why he was frustrated too is he tried to do like voiceover straight up narration at the beginning of the movie right, right and right, it just right. doesn't work you know so i think this is a better way to do it where you're like hey we're not going to get you caught up on everything you're just going to be in this place so i can't speak highly enough of it and um i think everybody should check it out yeah, check it out. Check it out for sure. Okay, so that was Dune. Um, one more thing for me, and then I'll kick it back over to Whoa, you. Oh, you have so much section. stuff on your side of your house I know. Today. This is a very unusual. Just a really quick note. Um, the game Mutazione, which we talked about on this show. You played it, didn't you, Carlos? Yep. I think you yeah. liked it, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I liked it, yeah. yeah. This was a, uh, a narrative story about a girl going to an island because her grandfather is dying. She wants to reconnect with her grandfather. And when she gets there, it just so happens that everybody who lives on the island is a monster. But a friendly monster, and really, them being monsters has nothing to do with it. They just have trouble like any other person. They just happen to be monsters, even though they could have easily been other people. Uh, really great story. One of my favorite games the year it came out. It's just a really great experience. I think it came out two years ago. Uh, and I just got an email, like, yesterday saying, hey, we've still been working on it, and we actually have, like, an epilogue DLC. It's called, I think it's called the Pen Pal DLC. I don't know how it works exactly, but, I mean, sh- clearly they must know that Anybody who's played this game probably played it two years ago, and we've all been kind of like away from it for a while. So from what I understand, you you boot the game up, and it's like a separate mode somehow where you get letters from people you met on the island way after the fact, and they kind of just wrap up all their stories that got started. And I mean, that's not to say that the original game didn't wrap up. I felt like it was a great experience, but I guess, you know, they had more to say or just little extra bits. Hmm. So there is this new Pen Pal DLC, um, new aspects to the gardening which anybody remembers that game gardening was really a cool part of that game uh the characters are all really human and had great stories so if you want to revisit that in a i guess condensed uh slightly different format uh seems like a cool thing i i always have trouble coming back to a game after a long time when they put out dlc because i have forgotten what i was doing i forgot who was who i don't remember the buttons um but in this case it seems like the developers were kind of thinking of that which is great i don't think enough developers do and it seems like it's kind of tailor-made for people who may have liked the game before and haven't touched it in two years and maybe want to, you know, revisit it for just a little bit. That's cool. And I think that, like you said, more developers should do that because once you leave a game, and this will come up later in the episode, you forget, like you said, what to even push on the control. Totally, dude. Yeah. Totally. And out of so, sight, out of mind. Yeah. And then also the story and the characters. But if it's a side type thing or something that kind of is a companion, that's a, a better idea, I think. I dig it. It seems like a cool idea. I have not tried it yet, and I believe, don't quote me in this, but I believe it's free to anybody who owns the game. I'm pretty sure. So check it out if you like Mutazione. 
if you haven't checked out Mutazione, definitely check it out. That's a wonderful narrative experience. One of yeah. my favorites, for sure. Good stuff. So the Pen Pal DLC. All right. That's all I have to say in the housekeeping. Carlos, you got a couple more odds and ends, don't you? Yeah, I have three or four more things. Uh, I'll get through them quickly. Uh, first off, Indie Gaming Guild. Uh, I love them on YouTube. Uh, Jeffrey over there on YouTube. Check out his channel. He, I just watch it kind of all the time now. Um, and he always kind of like it, lets me know about all these new indie games. He just did a quick uh, roundup of some good games or cozy games for Halloween time. Cozy games? Cozy okay. games. Like, like you're, you need something warm and snuggly under a blanket kind of cozy game? Yeah. Or do you mean cozy in the sense of like it's really tiny? No, like uh, like the first one. It's like uh, a good example is uh, Pumpkin Jack. Is that the name of it, I think? Which is an uh, action game. Action platformer? Kind yeah. of a PlayStation 1 era sort of a thing? Right. And then the other one that I love on his list, and there's, you, list, you go back and watch it on YouTube for the rest of them, but is Costume Quest, which is a oh, yeah, great yeah, little Costume cozy Quest. game. Sure. Yeah. Well, I haven't thought about that in a long time. I know, and I played it um, when it came out, and it came out on Halloween, I believe, and it's all about trick-or-treating. So, And then they even did DLC for Christmas, where it's about like going around getting candy canes and you know Christmas stuff. Oh. So I love that, and I would like to see more games like around seasonal stuff. If you know, if you can pull it off, it's kind of cool. So go check out his uh, list over in Indie Gaming Guild on YouTube. Uh, cozy Halloween time video games. Excellent. Okay, sounds cool. Um, some scary housekeeping I wrote down. Uh, haunted. Scary. Yeah, I did. I wrote said scary housekeeping. Um, Haunted Chocolatier is a new game from the guy who made Stardew Valley. Oh, it's co- it's coming, right? It's not out it's yet. It's not out it? yet. No, no, no. Okay. But they sh- they just released a trailer a few days ago, I think. And so, I mean, what a cool concept. Haunted Chocolatier. I'm in. Making chocolate and getting scary. And it's Stardew Valley. I mean, I don't know anything about it other than the guy who did Stardew Valley did it. And I got to be honest with you. Uh, I have not played Stardew Valley, but I think I bought it like four times. Oh, I keep I keep meaning to play it, and I think I own it on literally every platform. Plus, I think my wife bought it. Um, but I, I, my wife loved it. My son loved it. I, I feel like it's something that I would love. I just haven't made time for it. But uh, I'm definitely excited to see what this guy's doing. I mean, everybody that talks about Stardew like has nothing but love for it. Yeah, and I think that like it's a Harvest Moon type game. You just lose yourself in it and plant stuff and find things. And but he definitely did like story bits too. So that's why it's interesting to see the kind of a spooky style. Uh, story as well. So the other one was Resident Evil Oculus Quest. I need to play that because I have an <laughs> Oculus Quest and people are talking about it now. I remember I talked to you about it like two months ago and said I needed to play this because everybody's going to be talking about it and now they're talking about it. Like there's so many YouTube videos. What? What is it? I mean, number one, I mean, Oculus, I'm out. But like, what is it just a remake of something or is it brand new? And number two, Oculus, I'm in because I have one. Uh, Oculus Quest 2 which I have, and it's Resident Evil 4 in VR. Ah, okay. So, I mean, that seems pretty cool. I'll look for it. I'll, like, pony up the money. I'll figure it out because we can't probably can't get a code. But uh, I just wanted to bring it up because, yeah, people are starting to talk about it, saying it's really fun. And it's weird because that's the only place you can play it right now is Oculus Quest 2, I believe. Okay. So I'll check that out. That's more of a note for myself. Uh, two more things. We had a poll about the Uncharted movie. We uh, did, did, and I'm glad that you brought... Uh, you know, I watched it 42 seconds before we started recording because I forgot to watch it, and I'm like, oh, shit, I should probably watch it. So I, I just just watched it a few minutes ago. Uh, what what what'd you think before I look at the poll and see what other people okay. think? Here's, here's what I think. I have played Uncharted 
one and two and i'm pretty sure i played three did not play four did not play the one with the two ladies although i bought that one and i'm looking forward to it but like i'm not precious about uncharted right like i think it's okay i i definitely don't think it's as good as people say it is i think um, people give it a huge fucking pass and i think it has a lot of problems it has many problems from like a gameplay perspective from a content perspective like I, it's fine right it's not something i'm mad at but people hold it up like it's God's gift and that kind of like, I just don't agree with that. So I'm not precious about Uncharted, right? So I watched the the trailer. Um, I like Tom Holland. I love Tom Holland. I think he did a great job as Spider-Man. He really like quickly became like one of my favorite actors because I think he's so fun. He did his little his little um, clip when he was doing Rihanna's Umbrella, which like really blew me away. I thought that was amazing. Um, so I like him. I would definitely see this movie just for Tom Holland. It's got the, uh, the Wahlberg guy. What is his name? Mark Wahlberg? Mark Wahlberg? <laughs> the Wahlberg guy, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's Mark, isn't it? Mark, it's Mark. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's in it as Sully. I mean, both in terms of the characters, they both look too young for the characters they're supposed to play. But whatever. Yes, exactly. Creative license. Uh, but, you know, honestly, I will go. I mean, I'm not going to go see it. I'll, I'll rent it when it comes to, to home theater or whatever. I mean, it'll be a fun action romp in the tropics, you know, traps and, uh, you know, some supernatural shit, maybe some temples. I mean, whatever. It'll be a cool romp. I'll watch it. I'll have a good time and I'll. I'll bounce. It's fine. I'm not going to get real wrapped up in the whole, is it authentic? And it doesn't look like Nathan Drake. I, I couldn't give a shit. Well, the biggest issue I have is that I also like Tom Holland as Spider-Man. And he was just recently in some, again, I watch every sci-fi film. He was in a new like indie sci-fi movie about where he had like telekinetic powers. Which, oh, what was that called? Oh, I should look it up. Well, just wait, I'll do look, look it up after this. Uh, it's actually pretty good, and I, I did. A, I buy a lot of like uh, VOD sci-fi films, you know, on demand. Sure, sure. I'll look it up after this. But anyway, so I liked him in that, uh, and I like you know his kind of humor. He's got this kind of innate humor. He's just a real likable dude. Like he could like read a phone book to me. Uh, kids, don't ask what a phone book is. Just Google it after the show or something. <laughs> nice. He could read the phone book to me, and I'd be like, man, that was just so engaging. Like he he would make it fun, right? Well, he would mess up and somehow like drop the phone book too. And it would be charming. And yeah. it would be like, oh man, what a charming dude. But know? the problem is, and I brought this up on this podcast and probably others before, is that when someone gets ingrained in your head <clears throat> as a character or as an actor that you like, they're just that actor. And we said this, I think, many times. Denzel Washington's Denzel Washington. He can be in any movie. If I see him, I don't go, oh, it's Jake or, you know, whatever. It's it's Denzel Washington. Sure. And so that's the problem I have with this movie. Like, I really like Tom Holland as Spider-Man. I was able to deal with him as this psychic guy, you know, telekinesis guy. Sure, sure. But he's pretty much Spider-Man. He's all over the MCU. And then the other one is Mark Wahlberg. I don't want to see you anymore. Like, (laughs) I'm over it after the happening because he was in one of the worst sci-fi films ever. Not his fault. Uh, It was the director. but M. Night Shyamalan, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Worst thing ever. By the way, spoiler for that movie, uh, the, The Monster... Skip ahead if you don't want to know the spoiler the happening. The monster in the happening is trees, just plants. That's the that's the answer. There you go. Uh, anyways, so the point is, it's Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg. It's Tom Holland. I just see those two actors. I don't see a video game. I don't see. So I'd much rather have this been unknown actors, first time actors, and then I'd be all in because then it's an interesting way to kind of experience a, a movie, uh, video game franchise. But for sure. me, I don't want to see it now because those two are who they are. And yes, they're the wrong age. Like anybody who's played those games, they're just really off with the age. They're really, they're really um, young sized them. They just like, they just lopped like, I don't know, like 20 years off of each character minimum. 
Right, but they and, didn't even do that. You know it was just a money thing. Like they were like, How can we get the most money for, you know, return on this movie? We'll put this person who's like blowing up right now in it and then we'll have a Yeah. Reputable. yeah. Anyways, our poll on the on Twitter was Yes. Now that the trailer is out, psyched about the Uncharted movie, uh, hard pass from our show, or not sure. And the answer is hard pass. Really? 57% hard pass, uh, 31% not sure, and 10% psyched. Hmm, interesting. Well, you know, I wonder if that's a lot of people who are precious about Uncharted. I know there's a lot of hardcore Uncharted fans, and I know that's a favorite franchise for a lot of people. Um, Certainly not for me, so I don't have those feelings, but I can understand how people who do have a precious connection to that series would feel like this is not an accurate, uh, you know, probably not what they imagined thinking about it on screen. Yeah, I mean, if you just look at the look at the game once and you can get it, that it's not that. Uh, okay, by the way, the name of that movie that I was talking about with Tom Holland, that is good and you can separate yourself as he's another character. It's called Chaos Walking. Okay, never heard of it, but I can uh, check it out. Check it out. Okay, two cool. more things really quickly. Uh, Grand Theft Auto Definitive Edition definitely got announced officially, and they showed the graphics of it, and it looks, you know, better, I guess. Uh, it looks a little cartoony, but, you know, they didn't change it totally. And what's interesting about that is the Definitive Edition for San Andreas, I believe, is coming to Xbox Game Pass day one. Uh, PS Now, which we never talk about, is getting the whole thing. Wow, they must have paid a jillion dollars for that. Right, right, right. So it's like, hey, we, we we're a service as well. Remember us, guys? Uh, I mean, like, like I just, why would you do that though? Because like, PS Now, as far as I know, is still lagging pretty far behind what Xbox uh, Game Pass is doing. And like, are you really gonna like sign up for a subscription? I mean, unless you offer like a one month free trial or something. I don't know if they do, but like. I mean, it seems like a lot of people already know what GTA is. It seems like they're already fans. You're kind of want to get in on that if you like it. Wouldn't you rather just pay the 40, 50, 60 bucks or whatever rather than like subscribe to something? Yeah, it's it's a it's a grab for new customers. It's an acquisition for sure. play. For sure. And it might work. I mean, it might work because if they also like, you know, package it with a bunch of other big titles they just got, then people go like, hey, maybe this is an alternative. So who knows? I just who thought knows? I'd bring it up because it's interesting. And lastly, uh, Gaming in the Wild, which we mention almost too much on this show now. No such thing as too much Gaming in the Wild. All right, all right. It, they mentioned, he mentioned, uh, this really interesting account, I believe, on Twitter. It's called Nonviolent Game of the Day. Oh, yeah, I follow that account. Oh, you follow it? Okay. I, I think it was they're really on Instagram, too. Yeah, yeah. So people check that out because uh, we need more nonviolent games, and you can check them out on Twitter, I guess, and Instagram. They've got some really good they've got some really good picks there, which is really cool. It's funny you bring that up. Just a really quick tangent. You know, I was looking at my um, I don't know, my life in the last like month or two. And I was just like looking at what I've been doing as far as playing habits and stuff. And, you know, I jump back into the, the um, Death Stranding director's cut, which is pretty unusual for me. I almost never, ever, ever replay a game. Uh, but in this time, not only am I replaying this game, I'm skipping all the cutscenes, of course, because the cutscenes are garbage. But I'm like, I'm like, like maxing it out. Like I'm like five starring everything, and I'm getting S ranks on everything, just because. And I was really thinking about this, and I think that even though there is some violence in Death Stranding, you know, there's like the BT ghosts, and there's some of those rogue dudes who like will try to rob you of your packages or whatever. But like the large majority of that experience is is really actually nonviolent. Like you're picking up a box. You're driving across something, you're hiking across something, you got a motorcycle across something, 
you get to where you go and you deliver a box. That's like, that's like 80% of the death stranding experience. Right. And I'm yeah. thinking about this, like where I'm delivering boxes. I spent all day yesterday building a road. That's all I was fun collecting materials, collecting ceramics, collecting metal, building a fucking road. That's all I was doing. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, you know, it feels really good to play a game where I feel like I am doing something positive. I'm not in conflict with anybody. I am not under penalty of death. Like there's very little like punishment. If you mess anything up in Death Stranding, I can spend hours not having any conflict with an NPC or anything. And that's kind of what I was really into right now. I mean, I love that aspect of it. So I definitely agree that we need more nonviolent games. I would love to see more people explore that space, especially people as high profile as Kojima. I mean, I think he, he got a home run out of this one. I don't know that everybody can turn out something like this. Of course not. Kojima is Kojima, but I would love for people to explore that. That's interesting. You are making a road, but you're also making a roof in IRL. I'm building shit in my game, building shit in real life. Yes, I'm just building shit all over the place. Yeah. No, I get that. And actually that's one reason, um, I keep meaning to bring up some good mobile games uh, on the show because I keep looking for them. Like every night I, you know, I either mess with my switch or I mess with my phone, probably on TikTok. And, um, you know, I, I am playing one game, which we'll talk about, I think next episode called heroes of the dark. Is that what it's called? Never heard of it. Uh, yeah. Heroes of the dark. It's maybe, I don't know if it's fully out yet or if it's alpha or whatever, but, um, I'm pretty sure I, yes, I can talk about it now, but, uh, I will be talking about it next episode. That being said, what you were talking about, doing something that's nonviolent, I've been playing a lot more idle games on my phone, and I know that's a specific type of audience, but there is something to a lot, the games, the idle games I play on my phone are the a kind of resource management and building things up, right? And you're just like kind of a clicker game, but yeah. there is something really relaxing about it because at before I go to bed, I'm like, oh, I'm just upgrade this one thing. You know, I'm just going to do this one more thing and I'll click this one thing and I'll do this thing and I'll find this. And a lot of the idle games have cutscenes, So it's like you learn a little bit of the story, you, you build up your, you know, warehouse or whatever and your resources and then you go to bed. But there is something really relaxing to that because I'm not worrying about, you know, shooting or getting killed or there's a no death state. It's just as long as I want to play it, I can keep playing it. So, yeah, you know, I definitely th- I, I definitely agree because, you know, I'm looking at other games to play. I'm looking at things and like I just as soon as I hit some like conflict or something, I mean, yeah, that's a lot of what happens in games. And I'm not saying I want all games to be like this, but for me in my personal headspace right now, I'm like, I'm just not looking for that. Like I want something where I'm not fighting something where I'm not under pressure, where I can just kind of like engage with it in a way that I feel like is, is worthwhile and relaxing. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what I'm, that's kind of the zone I'm in right now for sure. Now let's take a real quick, hard left turn. And me talk about Far Cry 6 for two seconds. Ah, uh, yes. The perfect example of that genre, the relaxing, chill, engage with it as you will game, Far Cry 6. Yes. And weirdly enough, that's exactly what I'm doing. You went back to Death Stranding after you beat it. Uh, I went back to Far Cry 6 really quickly after I beat it because there are like insurgency missions, which I've mentioned last episode. There are little things you can do, some DLC. Uh, and there later on will be like a lot more DLC because there's actually a game console in the island like you can go in little hut and you see a game console and on that game console you can play coming soon like different missions from the other games so like four five three four and five i think okay um but anyways the reason i'm playing it is because it is relaxing even though there is violence uh i like we said earlier i'm very very well versed in how to do all the buttons right and i know my i've upgraded my character 
it's, it's very easy to go and take over an outpost or whatever. And that is, after a very long and arduous day, super relaxing to me. So yeah. it's a different kind of relaxing, yes. But it is something that I'm not too worried about my dying as much anymore because I've upgraded myself. I know how to get in and out of situations. I'm basically not worried about death, you know. Uh, and when you're in that state, you know, it's like you've, you've upgraded your character so much, you, like, want to keep playing in that state for a little while. You want to so, enjoy the, the fruits of your labor. I'm enjoying the fruits of my labor. Well said. But I wanted to bring it up because I, I guess I should go on YouTube and see. I, I don't think enough people are talking about the absolute chaos that the NPCs get up to when you just watch them. Like, it is madness. So I mentioned it when I first talked about it, that if NPCs are just walking in the street, other cars will just hit them. Yes, Remember? you did mention yeah. it before, yes. So I, here's an example of what I watched yesterday. I just went over a hill, looked at a random street by the woods, not even a city street, just a random street. And you're, you're, the people who are with you, kind of your revolutionaries, are all just out there in the world, right? So you, you get, kind of gain them, and as you gain them, you can see more and more of them like pop up in the world. So I just see my guys just out there fighting you know, the enemy, uh, which is the you know the broken state that we've already kind of toppled, right? So I'm I see some truck drive by, and the truck just like they aggro they aggro each other, right? So they are all the NPCs automatically aggro. So the the truck with like soldiers are driving by. They see the you know guerrillas in the woods. They just get out of their truck. They start attacking them. The guerrillas throw like grenades, blow up the truck alligator came out of the woods for some reason, started eating one of the military. After that happened, there was a little guy, you know, in those little mopeds who was just like driving a, um, someone around like a tourist. <laughs> and he drives into the scene and he doesn't even stop. He like hits a guy, just keeps driving. I think that guy blew up at some point. The road's on fire and a tree fell down. It was just like madness. I think then a helicopter showed up and all hell broke loose. But I didn't do anything. I was just standing there. Emergent stuff can be pretty good. That's some of my favorite moments from certain games. Um, I didn't play Far Cry 6 enough to really see some of that stuff. But I think um, Fallout New Vegas is one of the games where I noticed that the most. Where I had like a number of like really cool moments that came out. I love when stuff like that happens where it's not scripted. It's just the world kind of interacting. And, and if you catch it just sitting back and watching that stuff play out is almost like better than playing the game itself sometimes. It's awesome. I just yeah. I feel like more people should be talking about it because maybe it does ramp up as you get more of a, like, you know, revolutionaries on your side. But now I'm like an end game, and so I'm running around, and I just see so many of my soldiers just fighting. And, like, literally, like you said, to finish this point, I had a really cool, that yeah, like a couple missions that weren't missions they were just me finding my, you know, my soldiers in the road, like fighting people. And I was like, well, I got to go defend them, you know. And, yeah. oh, you can even go up to the guys that are on your side and revive them. So say they get knocked out because they have health points. So you can actually go over and revive them before they die. So I'm like helping randos uh, take over like this truck just because they're like attacking us. It's really, really fun. More people should know about that. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, playing with that stuff is pretty cool. I think that's a really neat feature when when games can get it working properly. And, you know, weird, goofy stuff happens too. But when when those systems are there and they're functioning and you can kind of sit back and observe, that's that's a pretty cool bonus. I dig it. Yeah. 
All right, housekeeping's over. That was a lot. That's a whole episode. So we, we did have say a whole episode. Wait, wait, wait. There's one more thing I was going to ask you about New World. That was something I know you've been oh, playing. I know you were yeah. going to just give a couple, you know, just a real quick mention. Or I guess we could save it for next show if you feel like it's. Uh... I'll just say one thing about it. Um, okay. So I was really interested in it. And a friend of the show, Ray, uh, told me about uh, how he was playing it. And I was watching him stream it. Um, and yeah, uh, we should put a link to his, uh, his streaming in the show notes, maybe. Anyway, so I saw him playing it. I was like, oh, yeah, I got to play that again because I have a code. So I went to go play it on my nice, fancy PC that can handle it. And, of course, I plugged in my controller because I'm going to want to play it on controller. And by default, the controller doesn't work. Like, it controls it a little bit. But I don't know if you ever played a game on PC, probably not, where you're trying to make the controller work and all the key bindings aren't exactly perfect. So I, I actually have had that experience, which is fucking miserable. And it, it makes is. me run screaming from my PC. Right. And especially because with this one, with New World, everything worked except like three buttons, you know? <laughs> so I was like running around. I could attack and I could dodge, but I could not jump and I could not pick up items and I could not block or something like that. But I could do all the other things. And I was like, well, that's annoying. So then I did a workaround, which is the community makes key bindings. And so I loaded up a key binding that was for New World, and it also didn't have all the buttons. It oh, had, Jesus. It had most of them, but it didn't have like a couple big ones. And so I just couldn't play it because I cannot do WASD. Like, I'm just not that person. Oh, yeah. Forget about it. That's, I'm just, I don't care what game it is. Hard out. I'm hard I will not out. even consider yeah. it. Yeah. And there's a lot of action. Like, it's an action RPG kind of game in a way. Uh, with some resource management and stuff like that. So I want to lose myself in the world. The graphics look really good. It seems like a good hook. Um, yeah, I want to jump in. But I just have to wait for, the, I think, the developer to put out the actual key bindings. That's a bummer. I hate when that happens. That sucks. So I've heard, you know, a lot of good things about it. A lot of people in my timeline are like all of a sudden out of nowhere kind of talking about it. It seems like that game is gaining some momentum, but... I'm guessing most of those people are very comfortable with the mouse and keyboard setup, which is not me. Yeah, not and me. I would, it never will be. And it sounds like it's not you either. So they're going to have to make some kind of a, some kind of work around. It was so depressing. Cause I was so like, okay, I'm going to get ready. I'm just going to spend the rest of the night dump, jumping in, you know, getting, cutting down some trees, fighting some monsters. And then here I am like not able to jump and just, you know, it's sad. So I'll come back All to right. it later on. All right. Oh, or don't. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I'll come back um, to it later on. We are almost... Okay, so we are done with housekeeping officially. We still have a basically an entire episode left to go. But before we get out of housekeeping, um, I just want to give a quick heads up to people who are curious about the game The Eternal Cylinder and who also may be fans of my 12-year-old son, Whitaker. Uh, he is going to be de delivering a segment, a, a witty review on The Eternal Cylinder. It's going to be coming up at the end of the show after the closing music. So if you want to hear his thoughts... On the Eternal Cylinder, he played it on Xbox X, played it all the way through. He just uh, rolled credits a couple days ago. I was very proud of him. He had a lot to say about it. And if you want to hear what my son had to say about it, we will have that for you at the end of the show. So just heads up that that is there. All right. And with that, the episode's over. And with that, the episode is just beginning. Here we oh. go. Let's start the whole show. Carlos, we have a bunch of games. Uh, I feel like we're probably going to go through a lot of these pretty quickly, at least on my side. I have, again... Kind of like I did last week, I ended up picking a bunch of games where I kind of like rapid fire were going through them, right? Like I knew a lot of these were probably games I was not going to get knee deep into. Yeah. So I've got a lot of a lot of quickies. Uh, how are you sitting for this? I one? have a bunch of quickies too. So how perfect does that work out for us? 
Excellent. All right, let's get to it then. Let's not waste any more time. Um, you are up first, sir. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Conway Disappearance at Dahlia View? All I know is it has a really long and interesting title. That's all I know about it. This has a very interesting mechanic in it uh, that I'm excited to talk about. And it is about uh, a retired detective you play, uh, an older guy who's a retired detective, and it's a mystery. Uh, think Sherlock Holmes type games, if you ever play those. First person, third person, what are we talking? It's kind of both. So it's it's a uh, first person in, in one mode, and it's third person for a lot of the other mode. And okay. it's, it's a puzzle game, right? So these kind of games, you go to first person, I guess you can call it that, but what you're like solving things, right? You're like uh, putting your mouse or controller on things and opening up things and, you know, not combining things per se, but moving things around in the world. I got you. So there's a kind of adventure element to it there, as well as an actual first-person mode. And then there's a third-person mode when you're moving your character around. And your character's in a wheelchair, so that's a really unique setting where you actually have to maneuver that. And um, it's almost a little bit like tank controls in that way, where it's not just, you know, you're like going really fast and smashing into things. It's like you have to be like smart about how you would in real life probably use a wheelchair. Like, are you like moving each wheel independently? Like, is it tank controls in the sense that you're moving each each wheel separately? No, it's like you're going left or right, then forward, left or oh, right, then okay. forward. You know, okay, gotcha. How you probably would really do it. So, uh, that was an interesting mechanic. But my favorite thing about it is um, the game centers around you trying to figure out where uh, an eight year old girl is <clears> missing, <throat> and you are trying to do an investigation. But the game starts with this really cool mode that I want to see in more games which is he just has his uh, camera and he's looking out the window. So it's got a super uh, voyeur vibe to it. And I don't know. I, I don't know if I should go on this tangent, but I have a dream about this. Um, yeah, the tangent is real quick. I used to have these dreams that I was floating uh, around and at nighttime, and I would be like just floating up to people's windows and looking in. And... <laughs> And it wasn't like, you know, what you're probably thinking. I wasn't like trying to see some sexy time. I was like just interested in like almost the mini diorama of people's homes. Like it's very interesting that we're all on this planet doing different things. And so my mind was just constantly interested in like, what does their house look like? What does their house look like? And I remember in my dream, I would do that. So in this game, you start with like you looking in people's windows with your camera because you hear a ruckus and you you know the neighbors and you know you know your neighborhood and your apartments and the people who live near you and you you know your character's talking about uh, what's going on there why are those two people the couple mad at each other and you literally follow them inside and you can't see all the way in but your camera can zoom right and so there's this game is broken up into three different sections or four different sections one like i said is traversal one is like problem solving and the, my favorite part of the game is this, where you actually are trying to deduce what's going on by looking through a camera in people's windows. I love it. Interesting. Interesting. There was another game that was very similar to this. I mean, this sounds like, uh, what is that Hitchcock movie where they where this is like? Yes, kind Rear of Window. Like, is it Rear Window? Yeah. Uh, there was also another game recently that came out, and I believe CJ Salcedo reviewed it for us at Game Critics. It was called like, Oh man, it Wait. was like flowers or something. Oh, it had I was gonna flowers say, in the title. Was the occupation they also did, which is similar. It has some similar Oh really? Stuff. Okay. Yeah. No. I'll have to look it up. I'm gonna look it up at Game Critics. But it was the same thing where like a person was looking through a window using a camera, using that to deduce what was going on in their neighborhood, kind of a thing. 
Um, I don't think it had the first person puzzles, but interesting that this kind of rear window thing is popping up as a mechanic lately. I want more of it. And I just, my only uh, criticism, I haven't played like a ton of, of, of this game, but I've played enough to do some problem solving with the puzzles and learn more about the, the crime. Uh, but you also see other crimes alongside it. It's not just about this eight-year-old girl. Um, so yeah, for me, it's just that that mode is so fun because you're kind of at your own pace, right? And it's not like like characters are moving and you might miss something, but you try to like focus on things and take pictures and then it, the narrator will like say more. Well, the narrator is the, the character, right? The, the Interesting. So I just love that mode so much more than the rest of the game, really, because I'm not the biggest fan of puzzles. But I would uh, still recommend it for people who want a mystery game that has a really cool angle of looking through a camera lens and trying to figure out what's going on. Interesting. So that is Conway Disappearance at Dolly of View. That sounds interesting. And the game that I was thinking of, uh, which also has a very similar looking through your window, this time with binoculars, is called The Flower Collectors. And that one oh, I don't know that. Uh, was very highly uh, rated at our site. Uh, CJ loved that one. It's one that's on my list. Um, so another similar rear window sort of a thing. And that's on the Switch. I think it's also on PC. So uh, there we go. One more from you before we uh, kick it over to me for a second. Uh, Roki, R-O-K-I, uh, I believe you put some time into, yes? Yeah, I'm trying to think of how you actually say it. It's like Ryoki? Something is like it that? from is it from that part of the world yeah, that we don't like know a, how to properly call it? Like Scandinavia, Scandinavia or Norway or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's uh, with the two dots, so the umlaut. So it's like a, a Yoroki or something like that? I do not know. Bjork, um, you know, Bjork had the umlaut. So Bjork is like that. So Yoroki, I think. Yes, it's R-O-K-I with the umlauts. I don't know how to pronounce it, but we're going to call it I guess Roki, I suppose, or however you want to pronounce it. Regular it's English Roki. Re- yeah, we're gonna kill the nuance on it. Yeah. I apologize to anybody yeah. who <laughs> is offended on our pronunciation. I don't know. Get him over here anyway. and get that Roki. Sorry. Sorry. A little bit too much. Bit it too is much. too much. It's too much. I apologize. Uh Roki, what is Roki all about, Carlos? Roki <laughs> is very similar to the game I just played called Creepy Tale. Remember Creepy Tale? Creepy Tale from last week? Uh two weeks ago. I don't know. Two what weeks ago, time yeah. It was. But yeah, it's this kind of, um, it almost starts the same way, where you play as uh, Tove, I believe I'm saying that right, Tove, and you have um, a brother, I think it's his brother, I think it's her brother, and you're like just out playing in the snow, and again, in the snow, kind of that uh, feel of, um, I don't know, Iceland or something, it just feels like, you know, somewhere in that kind of uh, Nordic place, and you're just, you know playing with them and, and throwing snowballs and stuff. And you're talking about the ideas like myths and monsters and things like that. And you, you're younger people. So like she might be, um, I don't know how old, but like a little older than him. Is this like a 2d sort of thing or what are we talking 2D, about? 2d. Yeah. Kind of 2.5d where you can kind of run a little bit forwards and backwards in on the, in the landscape. Okay. And it's very much that type of like, you know, adventure game where you're combining things. Uh, so you have a backpack, you can take things out of your backpack, et cetera. But you do things, it's not just combining things to within the backpack. It's like if you take something in your backpack and drag it outside of your backpack, then say like a snowball, you're throwing it in the real world, right? Of the Isn't game. it interesting? Because have you ever tried to combine things in a real life backpack? It's extremely it's difficult. Impossible. And you, yeah. Yeah. Your shit just breaks most of the time. Yeah. Like you put a bunch of stuff in a backpack and then what? You shake it around? Like how the fuck are you supposed to combine something in a backpack? That's just a curse. A weird idea. It's a weird idea. You're not supposed to be able to do that, and you do that in this game. But, um, yeah, it's got a lot of the same elements of, like, 
looking at your notebook, kind of uh, interesting thing. She has like a journal, so she's writing a lot of stuff down that she finds. Uh, it's just very, very like friendly, but there's also like the idea of monsters and things that I won't spoil that potentially are real and going and kind of on this huge adventure uh, in the snow. And it's just nice. It's a nice, chill game. I don't have anything complaints about it. No combat to it? No combat. I mean, again, there's like a lot of like adventure elements. Uh, there's bigger monstery type things later. And again, a lot of it's like take things that you that you found and use them on said thing, right? Gotcha. Um, but yeah, I think it's like friendly, relaxing. It's not as like even as scary or creepy as Creepy Tale, in my opinion. It's like the monsters or whatever they are, the beings. Um, yeah, they're just not like... In Creepy Tale, it was like, oh my goodness, there's a lot of blood and it looks like really scary. Uh, this one is just like whimsical in that way. So yeah, I like it. It's chill. It's a very chill time. Excellent. And that is Roki. We're not pronouncing it right, but it's R-O-K-I Roki? with the umlauts. And where are you playing that? Uh, where am I playing that? PS4? PS4 Xbox? slash 5, Xbox? Maybe the Switch? Who knows? I don't know. I think I'm playing was on Was it Xbox. in your dreams? No, yeah, know. yeah. I did play it in my dreams and I was floating. No, I think I'm playing on my Xbox. Yeah. It's definitely cool because okay. it's a really... Uh, colorful thing and it looks really nice so i I would say a a bigger screen for it excellent okay cool uh let me just give a few words on a couple of games here uh first up is inspector waffles which i'm playing on the switch uh it has a very funny title which really caught my attention because i mean inspector waffles that just sounds great name you say it yeah uh it's an anthropomorphic game 2d pixel based where you play a cat who is a detective so i guess it's kind of playing off that funny idea that we name our animals. A lot of times people name their pets after food, which is weird because you don't generally eat your pets. I mean, I guess sometimes you can. Oh, come but on. But you don't make a habit out of it. Uh, so we name our we name our pets food. Uh, and this is Inspector Waffles. So he's a cat who's a detective. Uh, and the first case is like he's uh, investigating some other cat got killed. And he is called to the scene to find out who killed this other cat. Uh, they're all like bipedal cats, like wearing suits and stuff. So it's like, you know, people cats or whatever, not not four legged, you know, animal cats. Um, it's pretty straightforward and basic kind of adventure game where you like go through environments, click on stuff. Um, basically, everything has some at least one or two lines of dialogue on it. So like click on a lamp and it'll say, oh, I really like the way this lamp looks. It looks pretty expensive. And you click on a door and it's like, oh, this door's handle is stuck. I can't get it. You know, like that kind of thing. Adventure game stuff. Yes. Adventure ass game. Um, It seems like the writers are trying to be pretty funny. And it just their sense of humor did not click with me. There's a lot of cat puns, which are, you know, I mean, they are what you are. You could probably name. You could probably imagine the kind of cat puns they go to. Um, I just felt like it was a lot of talk and I wasn't laughing very much. I just didn't think it was very funny. And so what ends up happening is you're just clicking on a lot of dialogue, which ends up not landing while you're searching for, you know, whatever item. And like right off the bat, like I wasn't getting like the craziest like Looney Tunes cat hair mustache puzzles, but I was getting some where I was like, okay, this is kind of annoying. Like uh, I had to open up a door handle, I think, uh, because the door was stuck and it was like I needed I don't. it was like a like a tennis ball and a. I don't know, windshield wiper or something and you combine them. And then it like, I was like, okay, this is dumb. Like, you know, why didn't you just put bust the door down or yeah. why isn't there just a key or something, you know? So I kind of got off on the wrong foot in a couple of ways. Cause it wasn't funny. Plus the puzzles were kind of putting me off. And in fact, in the very first level, I had to look up an FAQ cause I got stuck cause I just could not figure oh, out what I was supposed to do. Yeah. That's the worst. When I got to go to an FAQ, 
you know, like steam is running out. Right. So, I mean, it was a straightforward kind of detective adventure game with cat people. If you like cat people, if you're a furry, if you like that stuff, check it out. It lost me pretty quickly, though. I'm not a big fan of adventure games and I'm not uh, I don't have a great love of animal people. So it just maybe not for me. Real not quick, me. real quick on that cat tangent. Um, I am usually in on when everybody says, hey, is there a video game? And it's a cat in it. I'm like, I'll play it. Um, because I definitely like anything to do with cats. Cat Quest, which I mentioned on this podcast a long time ago. You have ago. mentioned that, yes. And I believe there's like a Cat Quest 2. There uh, is. There is. I never got tired of their cat puns for some reason. The, the game is full of cat puns, and every time like someone like talks or makes a joke or like hits another cat, like do this little purr sound or whatever, this meow sound, and it is hilarious every time. If you want cat puns, go check out Cat Quest. Well, if that's the case, maybe you should check out Inspector Waffles. You might get a lot I more know out of it I than might, I might, but I don't like it. I mean, if it's got to yeah, be the right it's kind pretty of adventure game. Yeah. It's pretty adventure It's not. It's not the good kind, I don't think, either. So, uh, That was Inspector Waffles. Bounced off of that pretty quickly. Uh, the next one is called Rift Adventure. Uh, this is a 2D pixel-based kind of an action platformer where you start off the game as like partners. Um, you're you're some kind of animal people, and I didn't plan that. I, I didn't mean to play. Jeez, you two animal who doesn't like that. I know. I'm not. I'm not really a fan of it. I'm just really not. And I ended up playing two back to back just on accident. Uh, your partner gets kidnapped or something by this evil skeleton ghost, and you need to go after them. So uh, you go through these little kind of straightforward, basic 2D platform levels, collecting resources. You come back to like a hub town where you kind of improve your gear and stuff but it just it just felt very straightforward and basic like the combat didn't have a lot of nuance to it didn't feel very good um platforming was fine i guess uh but it was just very straightforward when you get back to town it was the kind of thing where you buy like a sword but it doesn't look different on your character so that was like an instant bummer um i mean it just was like you know if you want to just play a very basic i mean i wouldn't be surprised if this was like someone's first or second game so i mean cool good on you but I mean, there's, dude, there's like so many like world-class platformers out there right now yeah. that it's really hard to make an excuse to play one like this. I mean, not that it's bad, but just like the competition is so thick right now. Um, I mean, I, I played it and it was fine. It worked. It was okay. It did what it needed to do, but it didn't really bring anything new to the table and it didn't really catch my attention. So I bounced off of that also pretty quickly. Although, you know, I mean, it is what it is. You want a 2D platform adventure. There you go. Rift Adventure played that on PS5, I believe. Um, oh, can Carlos, I say something? Oh, yeah, yeah, please. Uh, back to to Roki. Oh man, yes. Are Everyone's like mad at me for even we're trying. Going, okay, we're going back to Roki. All right. Just yes. real quick, I want to say um, it is a Nordic, uh, Nordic kind of a, a myths and stuff like that, and it is a Scandinavian wilderness. So it's like based on Nordic folklore. Uh, just want to clarify that. Okay. Cool. Excellent. Thank you for the note. Yeah. Um, and since you are already talking, let's keep it going. Let's I am keep talking. that mouth moving. Uh, Corpse Party. Ooh. This is, man, there's been a couple of these so far. I I want to say the first one came out on 3DS maybe a while. At least it's been around for a while. Maybe it was, it could have been. could have been SNES PSP. by the graphics. No. I mean the graphics, yeah. It's a 2D top-down sort of thing. It might have been a Vita game or maybe it was a PSP game possibly. I, my memory's a little bit hazy on this. Um, but I, I, all I know is it's Halloween. It's spooky time. I know that corpse party 
is kind of a Japanese kind of a school based sort of horror thing. Yep. Uh, what is, tell us about this corpse party. Is it a new one? Is it a remake? Like what is this corpse party all about? Oh, I couldn't tell you if it's a new one or a remake. I don't do homework okay. on this damn podcast, but I am looking at the Wikipedia page for corpse party and it says this game came out a long time ago. I was not wrong. Uh, 1996 motherfuckers. Wow. That long ago for the PC nine, eight zero one. You remember that Jesus. console. I don't even know what that console PC. is. I know I didn't play it there. They must have ported it at some point. It was followed by two remakes, Corpse Party Blood Covered, which was released by, for Microsoft Windows on, in 2006, and Corpse Party one. Blood Covered Repeated Fear that came out for the PlayStation Portable PSP, PSP. in 2010. So maybe it was that one. I don't think they. I don't think that's the right title, but I know that seems about right. I think I might have played it on PSP. Another sequel titled Corpse Party 2 Dead Patient was created for the PC by Grindhouse. Uh, it looks like the developer jumped around a bunch. It's not just the same people making these games. Uh, but this one, this specific game, is, yeah, the graphics look like SNES, essentially old school graphics. But with uh, when you're actually playing the game, your character's like little, you know, Zelda, super deformed little characters. And the actual head and shoulders kind of anime cutscenes are, you know, like anime, or right. they look like that. And so what the game is, very similar story to a lot of, like, this Japanese horror, which is, hey, we're in a school, it's probably haunted, there's probably ghosts, some of us might die, uh, and that's the, the whole game. Like, that's kind of a lot of games. There's, a, I think, a yeah. ton like that. And so it's that, but it is also that thing where, you know, I've been playing a lot of creepy games for Halloween, and you look at this on the graphics in general, and it looks like an SNES game or a PC 9801 game. And uh, so that's not scary, right? There's no scary there. But that's what is interesting. I've already reviewed games this month that are supposed to be scary and have really good graphics that should be scary and aren't. This is actually more creepy than a lot of games because it's just that like mind fuckery they do to you. Because in the mm -hmm. beginning, minor spoiler it looks like everything's going to be kind of a persona game where it's about relationships and they really talk about all these kids at the school and they're talking about like taking pictures together and it just seems like jovial right but you know by the name of it it's gonna it's gonna get real bad all of a sudden but there's they like party and there's gonna be corpses there's gonna be corpses but it's it's interesting it's similar to creepy tale and some other games it just ramps it up a notch real fast it's like there's an earthquake you fall through the school you're hurt, you're limping, you don't know where your friends are, and it's like, and there's going to be blood all of a sudden. And you've got That sounds exactly like the one that I played. So I want this must really? be a remake then cuz that falling through the earthquake in the school yeah. and stuff. That sounds like exactly what I Although again, that's a lot of like actual Japanese horror movies too, you know, like I mean, fair fair point. It's like, fair oh point. wait, we're not here, but we're in the past, but we've fallen. There's a lot of falling and then arriving somewhere and you're like where are we now? That's a cultural thing in Japan. Like falling is a thing that happens in Japan. Maybe they have a lot of like weak ground. I was going to say, what's it based falling. on? Yeah. I don't know. A lot of tectonic activity. Fear of earthquakes. Yeah. Anyways, uh, I just found myself being a little creeped out because I, I wear my headphones all the time when I play games. And so, you know, turning all the lights off, I was like, let's just try to get creeped out by this. And the way that it abruptly changes from not fun and friendly anymore, but like, no, you got to look after these characters and, you know, they could die. And it's like, there's some stakes here, you know? And, and you're just walking down these little hallways. And, you know, there's adventure elements. It's not an RPG in any way. It's not an action game. 
but it's more about like finding items like a little piece of wood so that you can get across a bridge uh you know caring after your looking after your characters so they don't die and there's a lot of uh stakes like i said so i was a little creeped out it was kind of fun uh i kind of recommend corpse party for halloween time because to me it's almost scarier creepier than some other games that have all these great graphics because uh you know again you have a little team you kind of control multiple people so you kind of are like looking after all these characters and you want to do the right thing you don't want them to die and i like it i kind of like corpse party right on right on sounds creepy sounds like a good recommendation for halloween excellent corpse party remind me where you're playing this uh that i'm playing on xbox i believe as well or playstation okay. i can't remember or <laughs> or <laughs> my my phone i can't remember one of them or those. we could be mobile we don't know folks drag it down all right, let's let's uh, let's keep it going with you with a game that I thought for sure I wanted to recommend. We played this during the Demo Fest, or at least I played it during Demo Fest that the Xbox had, I don't know, a couple months ago during summertime. Uh, Echo Generation, very like, uh, I don't know, 80s, 90s, um, kids in the neighborhood sort of vibe. Kind of like, a, I know you like your Earthbound games. Yeah. I feel like this had a lot of Earthbound vibes to it, a lot of irreverent writing and such um kind of seen from like an overhead perspective sometimes sometimes from a little bit more of a side perspective kind of those voxely kind of weird chunky graphics but when i played this demo i thought it was pretty cool but i'm like oh this totally seems like carlos's jam so yeah definitely. now that you played it was i correct is it your jam you're 100 correct uh nice and by the way the developer name so cool coco cucumber coco cucumber. i love that name uh, this aesthetic is amazing. The art, I think, is awesome. you got to agree that the art's pretty damn awesome, right? I, oh, it's great. Yeah, I'm very interested in this one. Yeah, for sure. So this is Stranger Things meets Voxels meets a turn-based adventure game. They call it turn-based adventure game, but it's got an RPG element because you're doing battles in this game quite a bit. And turn-based battles, right? And they're turn-based battles. So it's got an Earthbound feel for sure because in Earthbound, you know, it's definitely an RPG uh, action when you actually get down to like a lot of the stuff you're doing in the game. And in this game, you can kind of mini grind because there's some areas where you can just kind of go back to enemies. And so I kind of grinded in the beginning and, and fought a bunch of enemies and, and got myself upgraded. But it's really about the story and it's about the funny little quips and one-liners and, and different like story uh, adventures. And it's it's a double-edged sword because my only negative uh, to, to, to kind of attach to a positive is that the story and all the little kind of mini stories they tell in the in the game, they're almost so all over the place. And now Earthbound, that's what I loved about it because you, you go to the bar and you're, now you're helping the band in the bar and like that's your whole thing. Later you're fighting monsters in these caves and it was all over the place. So it's that too, right? Like in the beginning, you're just in a neighborhood and again, the graphics are just so cool and interesting and you're fighting raccoons. Like that's what you're starting, like learning how to fight and do turn-based battles. There's raccoons in trash cans, so you're fighting them. But then later on, you're talking to a guy who, you know, is is stuck in his mobile home and he doesn't want to leave, and you have to go, like, find him something so he'll leave. Uh, then there's, like, people in a treehouse, and then there's, like, you got to find Christmas lights for somebody. And then there's giant rats, and then it gets weirder and weirder. And so it just keeps getting weirder and more diverse, which is cool. But it's also like you have to be ready for that. You know what I mean? I I guess I wonder because that was the that was one thing. Um, I think I've only played like 20 minutes of Earthbound or something. But that was like my big takeaway was it had that kind of vibe to me. So I guess 
what is the difference between like why did it work for you in Earthbound and why is it maybe giving you a little bit of pause this time around? Well, for one thing, the biggest thing, and my again, my second kind of um, issue with it is that I got stuck, and I'm currently stuck, and I don't oh, know. I don't like that feeling at all. Um, there's two other like giant rats that I haven't beat, but besides those rats, like I don't know what to do next, and I literally had to stop the game, and I was like excited to play through it a lot more for this podcast, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. I could take it offline and maybe ask the internet, but. I basically like had done a ton of stuff and then two people need things from me like in video games and I can't find those things and I can't leave the screen because I can't find a bus pass to go downtown. So I'm like literally stuck. Um, so anyways, I think Earthbound was different because again, it's the era that we played it in and mm. I had never played a game like that. Like what I love about RPGs in the modern setting is the fact that they mix those two genres and hey it's a modern mall and i'm going getting a hamburger but also i'm fighting a monster now i love that kind of element so that has this but also you know the combat is a little more basic um equally fun but i don't know I, I, there's something that isn't fully clicking with me but i really really like it a lot and so as soon as i get unstuck from where i am i'm gonna keep playing uh, a couple of other things about the combat, you find like comic books and different little things in the environment that upgrade you. So that's an interesting upgrade path. You finding things to give you new abilities. Uh, like, so say like your main character has like a hockey puck or a hockey stick. And one of the, you know, um, comics you find is about hockey. And then now you can do a different kind of combo with that. And all, sure. all the turn-based stuff is like, wait for these three green lights to light up and then hit A. Or as you're about to dodge and you're or get hit, you hit A really quickly at the right time. So it's a lot of that timing thing uh, for the combat. So if you like that or if you don't like that, that's in this game. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's I just enjoy it. I love the art and the aesthetic. Uh, they call it early 90s, so it's got that kind of feel to it. Um, you know, TV on with the cartoons playing, etc. And it's just, it's a Stranger Things voxel adventure game. And that's you know, all right in my book. Um, I just, I guess I'm a little weirded out that I'm stuck and maybe that's it. You just got to get good, Carlos. Get good. I guess I have to get good at adventure games, which by the way, I never <laughs> will get. I will never get good at adventure games. I'm bad at them. Well, I mean, it sounds pretty good, uh, except for the getting stuck part, uh, which is always a bummer. But um, from what I saw of it, it seemed pretty cool. And I definitely thought it would connect with you. So I'm glad that it wasn't a total miss. Hopefully you can get back on track. Uh, and this is not going to derail the whole thing, but I guess keep us posted. Oh, yeah. And also it's like a Canadian inspired, which I love me, Canada, uh, to no end. And so there's a lot of like Canadian things. I mentioned the hockey puck and or the hockey stick. Um, yeah, there's a lot of really cool, unique elements to it. Again, the look and the feel. I like the combat. I like the aesthetic. Uh, I'll get unstuck and I'll bring it back up on the podcast. All right. Sounds like a plan. All right. Let me talk for a minute here about... The Big Con, playing that on Xbox X. Uh, this is a very interesting, unusual thing. Um, it's an indie game. It is hand-drawn. Like, all the, the graphics look like um, like drawings, like if somebody had drawn with markers on a piece of paper or something like that. It's got a cool, very cool look to it. This also has kind of a late 90s vibe to it, I think. It totally has a 90s vibe. Yeah, that's exactly where I'd put it in. Uh, this is a really strange one. It's about a girl whose mom works in a video store. And if people don't know what that means, a long time ago, uh, there were stores that had videotapes in them and you'd have to go 
and give somebody money and borrow a tape, bring it home, watch it, bring it back. I know that sounds crazy, crazy talk right now, but that was a thing that used to happen back then. Watch watch uh, the documentary of uh, the last blockbuster and you'll the last blockbuster. Yeah. Yes, I actually want to watch that. That seems. Oh, crazy. you've not seen, seen it? it? What a treat! Not yet. Not yet. What a Don't treat! Spoil me. It's good. Don't spoil me. Okay. Uh, anyway, the big con. So what happens is uh, your mom's business of this video store is going out of business. And so she needs to come up with some ridiculous amount. It's like $94,000 or something. And she's got like five days to come up with the money or else the loan shark going to take the, you know, take the store back or your mom can pay it back some other way. So that's what the premise of the game is. And it's interesting because Number one, the writing is really funny. It's really irreverent. Like everything in this game is like like a joke. And as opposed to Inspector Waffles, where I don't think I even laughed one time, in the big con I found myself constantly chuckling and laughing and feeling like the, the writing was pretty on point. Like it was pretty pretty humorous. Um but the way that this character solves things is she decides to become a criminal. She meets people. <laughs> it's like it's such a weird left turn. I wasn't sure what this game was gonna do. Um, but like you, you meet some sketchy guy in the park and he's like, Hey, you want to learn how to pickpocket? And you're like, yeah, I do. And you just like start pickpocketing. And then he's like, Hey, you want to do some bigger scams? And you're like, yeah, I do. And you get on this weird guy with a bus. You go to another town and you like start scamming people left and right. Like you're like doing confidence scams, tricking people. You're lying to them. You're stealing their money. Mm. Um, like all sorts of like weird stuff. I, very strange like i just was like constantly like am i really ripping these people off am i really doing this like confidence scam in this mall yes i guess i am i, I uh, saw real quick uh, full disclosure i saw like a review video of this and yeah that's the first thing i was like that's the weirdest element of this whole thing it looks cool and it seems like really funny but you're just stealing from people the whole game yeah you're st- i mean i haven't finished it full disclosure so i don't know if it you know if things change or if your right character maybe has an attack of conscience later on or anything but like you just like jump into the life of crime and you start ripping people off. And it was like this, the wildest thing, dude. Like I was sitting there playing this, like, am I really doing this? Is this really what this game is about? Yep. Sure is. So that was really strange. Um, but I'm always up for strange, always up for unusual. I feel like it's probably going to take a left turn at some point, but who knows, but it's really cute. It's really charming. It's funny. Irreverent. It's very light. Like, you know, you're not killing people or anything. It's all just like, quick scams and stuff where you you listen down to people you find out what they like when they don't know you're listening and then you show up and you like tell them what they want to hear because you've eavesdropped on them they trust you you get some money out of them or you can just like straight up pickpocket i'm sure there's a lot more to the game i didn't get too far um but it's just really interesting really different um can't say that i've ever played anything quite like it and if you like indies or you like weird i mean definitely check this out this is weird with a capital w yeah i want to check it out i i'm I'm so like torn about the you know stealing thing uh i would never do that in real life ever but it's a video game and i do love 90s aesthetic in a video store fun tangent i used to manage a video store nice because i'm i used to work in a video store all right there we go uh anyways yeah it looks really cool and i love the art aesthetic um so i still might check it out even though it's it's really weird that you're stealing the whole time yeah it it is really weird it is genuinely this is a video game you're not actually stealing anybody's info but i i will say I did feel kind of wrong doing it when I was playing it. And I was like, this is such a strange feeling that this game is evoking in me where I feel like guilt over this totally fake action mm. that is not harming anybody in real life. But I feel guilty for stealing. Really weird. Yeah, but it is like, again, we're like always playing every game for all these different experiences. And it's a different, unique experience. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So the big con, I really like it. I think it's really cool. I think it's really different. I give it a thumbs up. And if you like weird, check it out for sure. Uh, the next one I'm playing is called Cards of the Dead, playing this on Switch. Uh, I just kind of randomly grabbed this. I wanted something that was light and quick that I could play before bed. You know, because like, that's what I do. That's, that's how I do, do things. Um, wanted something that wasn't too in-depth. I uh, didn't want much story. just wanted just some gameplay. Uh, so this is kind of like a apocalyptic, like zombie apocalypse themed card game, but it is not a deck builder. Uh, and it's, I don't know this. It's not even, I mean, I guess it's a roguelike, I suppose, but it's basically what happens is you start off as a character and there's like no explanation, no tutorial in this game at all. It just starts. Just figure it out. Just start. Just do it. And I was trying to figure out what was going on. So like every time you take a turn, like you, okay, so I'm not even explaining this right. You start the game and there's like a series of cards in front of you that are face down. You need to uh, turn them face over. And every time you turn one face over, it infects you with one level of zombie virus. So you start off with like 10 health and 10 I guess, I don't know, resistance or antibodies or something. Um, if you turn over a card, you lose one degree of zombie resistance. And like after a couple points are gone, like your guy starts to look a little bit more zombie. There's like a little portrait of him where like he starts out looking healthy and then he starts to look a little sick and then he looks like worse. And then when you're almost dead, he looks almost like a zombie. Um, so every time you turn over a card, you lose one point of resistance. And what you really want to do is you want to find cards that give you resources and find the exit card. Uh, so you can find food, which restores health. You'll find um, syringes full of uh, zombie uh, antidote. And you can inject those in yourself and give yourself a boost. You can find weapons. And you can find tools. And I think that's all you can find. Um, and you just kind of like turn over the cards. And the point of it, it's like it's really mechanics-based. Turn over turn over more cards than you are... No, 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 wait. You don't... <laughs> I can't even explain this. You want to... You wanna... Turn over more cards and lose less resistance to the zombie virus. So you want to keep ahead of that curve, right? You want to be finding antidote while you're turning over cards. You don't want to turn in zombie. If you lose all 10 points of resistance, you turn in zombie, game over. If you encounter zombies, because sometimes there are, there are zombie cards, uh, they'll hit you for some damage. And if you lose 10 points of health, you also die. So it's, it's just very simple, very straightforward. Turn over cards. Hope you find something good. If you find something good, use that to keep going. Keep going, turn over some more cards, find some more resources. It's very mechanics-based. Mm, doesn't so, sound fun to me, but go on. It's it's interesting. I'm I'm interested, and I, I have not finished it yet because I just have not been able to finish one run. Uh, I'm going to keep trying. I want to finish it at least once. Uh, it seems like there's a couple different characters to unlock. You start off with like a random guy. Now, here's a funny story. <clears throat> As I started this game, your, your main guy, I forget what his name is. It's whatever it is. It doesn't matter dick mccracken or something who knows what it is It is that it is dick mccracken um so like you start the game and like the very first piece of dialogue you get it says i'm I, like roughly a quote it says uh i was at the army base and i got a message about an emergency and i was actually at my wedding and i was looking forward to spending my time with my new husband and i'm like whoa 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 hold the phone this is a guy he just told me he was at a wedding and he was meeting his new husband. This guy's gay. Mm -hmm. This guy's totally gay. He's so gay. And I'm like, that's amazing. Like, this is like, has nothing to do with the gameplay. Like, there is no plus points or minus points for being straight or gay. Like, it has no impact on the gameplay whatsoever. It is just like a little piece of dialogue that the developers threw in for like representation. And I'm like, that's awesome. I think that's so cool where this guy is just like low-key gay. It's not about who he is. The, the point of the game is not about him being gay. He's just 
survive in the zombie apocalypse like any normal person would do. He just happens to be gay, which I thought, cool. That's great. They didn't need to do that. They did that. They threw that in there. I'm, I'm all for it. Excellent. Uh, I praised it on Twitter, and I said, hey, cool thing that I saw today. Excellent, excellent. Got a lot of likes, et cetera, et cetera. Funny thing is, um, the, the developers of the game actually messaged me, like, I think two days later. And they're like, yeah, dude's not gay. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, um, what do you mean? Because I just played your game, and he's a guy. Said he's at a wedding, got to meet his husband. I mean, that to me, there's only one outcome and that he's going to get gay married. I mean, that's what that says to me. And they're like, yeah, we don't want to spoil it, but you should pay attention to the font color. I'm like, what? Okay, now keep in mind, no opening sequence to this game, no opening cutscene, no starting dialogue, no tutorial. You literally just start playing the game. Mm. So I'm like, okay, so maybe I missed something. You know, I play at nighttime. Maybe I was tired fired back uh, the game back up and it's like the exact same thing that i thought the whole thing he's like yeah i'm going to the wedding gotta meet my husband and i'm like and i texted him back and i took a screenshot of the the text and i'm like hey here's the literal text like what are you guys talking about and they're like yeah well you should pay closer attention to the the thing and i'm like we like we don't want to spoil it and so i went i was like i was just really confused by this so okay so like it turns out when you go to the main menu screen there are three characters the first one is Dick McCracken. That's not his name, but whatever his name is. Yep. Uh, and his the 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 border of his portrait is red. There are two more characters. The second character is a question mark because she's still locked. That border is blue. And there's a third character who is also a question mark because they're locked. And their border is like black or something. So they never tell you and they never explain this. And the very first piece of text you find, I guess what they're telling me is that, oh... If you find a document which has blue text, it belongs to the blue outline character, which was nine screens ago that you totally forgot was there, and we didn't explain who it was. So I guess that's what they're saying, and so they were pretty quick to backtrack that he wasn't gay. So, I mean, fair play, but at the same time, you could have explained that a little more carefully. Like, you could have said, you could have put, like, signed it by, you know, your loving wife, or signed heather or something at the end to kind of clarify right, that so it wasn't a lady the main character. Is, is talking about her husband is what you're saying exactly yeah, so yeah. like how did i mean how did i find this document why am i reading this document it seemed to me like it was the guy talking internal dialogue yeah, so yeah i mean you want to you don't want to make him gay that's fine that's your call but i mean please be more clear about it because i feel like that was very misleading Mm. Uh, and not at all clear. So, okay, I guess I take back my points for representation. There's no no representation, but I still think the game is pretty interesting and good in terms of mechanics, quick play, straightforward. It was exactly what I wanted it, exactly when I wanted it. So that fits the bill, and that is Cards of the Dead. Interesting, because Dick McCracken could go either way, really, that name. I mean, I agree. Could That's exactly, way. I totally agree. So there you go. Okay, moving on. Moon Glow Bay. This is a very anticipated indie which just hit Xbox Game Pass a couple of days ago. Uh, the developers are very excited to get their game out there. Uh, I tweeted about it. I know you jumped on it. I know Lelena jumped on it. I know a lot of people jumped on it. Um, so Moon Glow Bay, Carlos, do you want to give us a quick overview about what this is about? Yeah, I was pretty excited because I watched one of the like uh, indie dev diaries or whatever on the couple that made this game. Uh, I believe there are a couple. I want to get that right. I'm pretty sure they are. Um, and they might have even based some of this stuff, I don't know, on, on experience. But uh, you, um, it's an RPG fishing game, 
but not even RPG really. It's just an adventure uh, fishing game, but you do upgrade kind of your abilities as you go along, and it's voxely, very voxely, and very uh, small little town, and it's supposed to be a relaxing game. I remember watching from the again developer diaries that they were just you know a passion game. Um, that's not the right thing. Uh, yeah, passion project, passion yeah, project. You know sure, something sure. that they were really really. Uh, focused on and, and spent probably years, I think, making. Uh, Must have been. Yeah. And um, small team and, yeah, yeah, just like a labor of love is what I was thinking of. Moongo Bay, Foxley adventure game with fishing. Now, I am, uh, you know, hit or miss with fishing. It's in my RPGs. It's in my Harvest Moons, all that stuff. And I can take or leave it. I'm not, like, the biggest fishing fan. But what really interested me in the early, you know, videos and stuff of this game was that it's really about this relaxing place you go and an interesting kind of drama story that takes place while you're in this moon glow bay. And man, oh man, is this apparent from the very beginning. Because I don't know about you, but I was quite taken aback how this game starts. Yeah, you know, my son played this before I did. And he he was playing it and I was like in the back room. He comes running into the room. He's like, Dad, 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 Mungo Bay. Oh, my God. You never... And I'm like, nope, don't spoil me. Yeah. And he's like, oh, and then he like walked out of the room. So I knew something big went down. Yeah. And I, I still won't today. tell you. Oh, yes. you did play it. OK, yeah, I did play it today. So let's not spoil it. Let's not spoil it. But it starts off in a very, I think, very surprising way. Yeah. And the, and the, and the beginning, you actually pick uh, from one of like, what, four characters? You can pick a few different characters. Yes. Yes. And then you can pick your partner. Uh, which I thought was a very interesting beginning. Um, and again, I, just, I think that's why they were like the partners. I think two people made it and that some of that stuff comes across. But either way, um, I do like the fishing. Uh, I do like the fact that it's really easy, which is great to start. At, what is that? Easy to learn, difficult to master. Hard to master. Yeah. yeah. And it has this really interesting mechanic of like pulling and 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 doing kind of different button moves to get the fish in and then different bait, different lure, all that stuff. And then there's cooking mechanic, which I found difficult. I don't know if you, I like couldn't cook very well because there's a lot of mini games to cook. Yeah. I found it to be a little bit confusing, honestly. I thought it was a little too hard. Like in the beginning, maybe make some of the recipes like super easy to do, but I was like burning stuff left and right. (laughs) And I didn't feel good about my cooking experience. But that said, the whole game is really about this like, like almost uh, not Harvest Moon, but Animal Crossing kind of vibe, which is like you're in this little town, you meet a bunch of characters, you know, they are talking to you, you're learning about your story, and you're starting over kind of your life and essentially going out fishing, getting ingredients, and running a business. Wouldn't you say that's correct? Yes, that is that is a very good summation of it. Yes, correct. All right. Well, the biggest problem I have with this game is I, I like the fishing okay. I, I like the world. I like the characters. Um, I really like the art at times. But uh, Lelena, a friend of the show, also had this issue, is that when you go to the overworld, I do like the fact that you can zoom in and out, which is great. But something happened in development. And again, with peace and love, I say this, because I want to support <laughs> this team so much. The close-up shots of in the house and in little buildings super voxely it's cool looking it's fine on the boat it's okay but when you zoom out and go around the overworld map something happened where it just plays a tricks with your eyes or something or the frame rate's weird 
it just feels bad to me. I don't know mm. what that is. And Elena was saying like it actually like bothered her and she got sick or something. The, yeah, the frame rate when you're in the overworld is actually pretty bad. Like it's really it is kind of distracting to the eye. It's not even just the it's a frame rate, but it's also a mixture of like how it, it's rendering the world. Like the refresh rate or something. Like it just like it doesn't keep up with how it's moving. I know yeah. what you mean. Like it's it's not... like the character's moving in a different place than the land is moving. Yeah. And it felt bad. Like that felt terrible to me. So she's not wrong. And uh, I think I'm also correct. And I, if you played it, oh, I don't know what you thought about the same thing. But that really was distracting to me. Yeah, that was pretty distracting. I, I So I have mixed feelings on this game. I mean, I definitely want to support indies. I think it's interesting. Um, I think it's, I, I, I'm half and half on the graphics. I think voxel graphics can be cool and fun, but I feel like a lot of times, um, they're just kind of like murky and they could be clearer. And I, I, it's weird because it seems like they want to get really detailed with the graphics, but at the same time, I feel like it's sometimes hard to read what's going on and I don't feel like the visibility is great. Um, so I wasn't a super fan of that. Wait, to that I point, say, to that point, yeah, sorry to jump yeah. you, but no, to ahead, that point, cause it's really important. The tourist. The Tourist is one of the finest looking games ever made, in my opinion. And it's a, well, I should say, it's one of the finest looking voxel games uh, ever made. Ever. Ever. And I, I tell everybody should, they should go play it. But that's an example of complicated voxels looking good. Like, looks amazing. This, I think, to your point, it's overcomplicated at times. And like the dog, for example, is like a million voxels. And I think it could have been like eight or something. So <laughs> yeah. I don't know. If you go look up Google, the tourist later, and you'll see that what I'm talking about. It's just I think that's done well. And again, no shade thrown at like a small development team, but it's aesthetically it does is not as pleasing to me. Yeah, it's a little it's a little over detailed. Where I think a little bit less would have helped things be clearer and a little bit more appealing. Yes, um, yes. I will say also the start of the game like really threw me for a loop. Not not this not that unexpected start, but like. You, you choose your character. They give you your pronouns, which is great. I mean, thumbs up for that. Awesome, awesome. But, like, you start your character, and your character looks like they're, I mean, 18 or 20. And then it's like, choose your partner. And two of the characters, you have four choices. Two characters look like they're 18. Two characters look like they're 50. And I'm like, are we partners as in we are lovers? Or are we partners as in we're business partners? Like, what do you mean? Now they mean partners? lovers. And I think the problem is what we just mentioned is that there's just too many voxels because I don't think they're supposed to look older. They just well, have different kind of hair and stuff. I just, I was really confused by that because I didn't know what kind of partners we were because we didn't, weren't given enough context. And two people looked really young. Two people looked really old. And I'm like, well, this is, am I picking a daughter father combo? Like, I mean, oh, you just don't know what you're doing. So I was like, I picked the two young people. <clears throat> and then when the game starts, uh, this, you know, my character looks like she's 18 or 20. And she's like, yeah, well, you know, I spent the last 40 years wanting to be with you. And I'm like, what? I'm 40 years old. Like, what are you talking about? I don't I totally don't look like I'm 40. That completely spun my head out in a different direction. I was not ready for that um, at all. And so I just didn't get off uh, the beginning in the right way. Like I just, yeah. my expectations were kind of thrown out the, uh, out the window. Um, but moving past that and past the, the, the visual style and stuff, um, gotta be honest. Uh, I'm not a big fan of fishing and I really don't like cooking. And this game is a fishing cooking game, which yeah, it's, guess, it's kind of both of those things. It's kind of both of those things. So that's, I mean, and again, this is not me criticizing the game. That is just me observing. I jumped in on, um, game pass because it was there and I was curious about it. 
I didn't come in with any expectations. I know there's a lot of people that like fishing and cooking, so that's cool. And I'm not saying that that's bad, but I'm just saying that for me personally, this is not the right fit for me. And hopefully, you know, I, I, I started doing the cooking and I'm like, I don't want to do this. And I started the fishing. I'm like, I don't want to do this either. And then um, when I saw the aquarium, there's an aquarium where you catch fish and bring them to the aquarium, just like an Animal Crossing. I'm like, I sure don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. So this is not the right game for me at this time. I think I think there's a lot of potential. I think that, you know, the small town cozy aesthetic is cool. Fishing as the main premise of a game, I think is pretty cool. It is just not not the game for me. And I think that uh, something really, I bet you they did some really interesting things with that story and with that weird twist at the beginning. So that's what makes you know in, me intrigued to get through some of the fishing to get to the story bits. I'm just wondering how much story they actually deliver. Yeah. In that kind of adventure, you know, game sense. But I'm with you in the fact that like it's not my favorite thing to do. But that being said, I played River King on the PS2. That was more of an RPG fishing game. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, this has like a story element. Again, the the overworld really bothers me because you spend a lot of time walking around and every time i do it makes me feel weird um so that that's that that can patch that right they can fix that yeah um, they could. hopefully so yeah i'm kind of on either or with it too i want to love it and i want to support it um but i'm going to use this time instead to mention the tourist <laughs> t-o-u-r-y-s-t i cannot yes. tell you how good the, have you played it i i have it on my xbox i have not played it. i've heard crazy nothing but person. good things about you have any, it i've okay. heard on the Xbox. Literally everybody. Yeah, everybody Xbox says it's is great. like yes. one of the best places to play it because they really do like 60 frames per second. It's beautiful. Yeah, I've heard it's great. I'm like, I have it. It's downloaded. I just haven't got around to it. But like literally everybody says the tourist is awesome. Um, so check out the tourist. But also I do support in spirit Moonglow Bay. I yes. wish these guys good luck. You know, no, no criticism for me other than the graphics thing could be cleaned up. But like in terms of content, it is just simply not the right game for me. So we're going to shake hands and part ways respectfully and i won't part ways fully but i will um wait for a refresh rate or whatever that thing is that's freaking me out yeah it is kind of distracting uh okay uh one more game and then we're going to wrap up the show uh really quickly for me skull s-k-u-l the hero slayer this is a 2d action platformer and i gotta be honest i had no idea it was a roguelike when i started playing it i thought it was just a straight across platformer but no it is actually a roguelike game you play a skeleton dude who has to kill the evil humans who are invading the peaceful skeleton kingdom uh they started some shit with you guys and steamrolled your town and your people and now you're like one of the only remaining skeletons left and every time you die like this magician lady brings you back to life to go back and try again um 2d platforming you have a very simple um leg bone that you used to swing around as an attack you can throw your head, and when you throw your head, uh, you can also warp to where your head goes. That's your base character, but the hook of this game is that you can pick up other heads, and every other head you pick up has like a totally different moveset. So like you'll get, uh, I got one that was like a, I don't know, some kind of a weird um, monster where its tummy was like its mouth, and I think it was like the ogre or the, the ghoul or something like that, where you could like do this whirlpool that like, that's a whirlwind, excuse me, whirlwind that like sucked in enemies. And then you had like this other power where you did like a jump. There was like one that was like water based where you could shoot waves uh, every couple seconds and you could like uh, do like a wave projectile or something. So like that's the premise, right? Every every head you find gives you different abilities, completely changes up your moveset. Those are random. If you die, you do not keep those. You find them as you restart the game. You can also 
earn points to get uh, put towards a permanent upgrade skill tree. I got to say, though, the upgrade skill tree I found very, very unimpressive and almost um, depressing in how little it was giving you. Like the first upgrade was like plus four percent chance for a critical hit or something. And oh, I'm like, geez, come on. Yeah, like this doesn't feel good at all. I need something that's substantial, right? Like I want to see a whole other pip on my life bar or something. Not not this little like percentage increases. Those are so boring and so just not great. And they were very expensive. I played um, several rounds of this game and I only had enough money to upgrade like one thing one time. And I'm like, Jesus, how much do they want me to grind? And even if I do grind, like the, the stuff I'm buying hardly seems like effective at all. Like I might as well just pretend like it's not even there. Yeah. Um, the, the gameplay was okay. The combat didn't feel great to me. It could have been a little tighter and it didn't feel very impactful. Uh, the gameplay also has a real love of like mobbing you with like a lot of people. And I found like that wasn't really too cool. I would have liked fewer enemies with more meaningful encounters, but instead it's like usually mob encounters, like six people on the ground fighting you in a mob. There's like maybe two archers that are pinging you from like up top and a lot of stuff happening. Maybe there's a magic user firing a fireball at you. And it's like, it just, it's, there's a lot going on. I feel like it's pretty tough. Uh, played it on the normal difficulty and I just was like, wow, this is a very difficult game. And I feel like I'm very underpowered and I feel like I do not have a lot of resources at my command. Um, that might've been okay if I was finding more abilities and stuff, because in a roguelike, that's really how roguelikes work is like you find new weapons, you find new abilities. That's what makes each run fresh. This game was way too stingy with them. I felt like it was taking an eternity to get new powers or to find new powers or to get new skulls. I was like, man, I feel like I'm just like not getting any new gear and I'm just my same weak self over and over and just getting beat down over and over. I'm getting like and anxiety just by hearing yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, I don't recommend <laughs> this at all. I mean, it was neat in how varied the levels were because I will say um, every run did feel pretty pretty different. I didn't get too far into it, but like um, some levels are kind of vertical, some are more horizontal. Uh, I met like a couple different bosses every time I played. So like one was like a nun, fought her once and she kicked my ass. And then I found like this other night guy and he kicked my ass. And I mean, it was like, you know, like I was finding variety, like it felt different every time I played, but only in like the environmental level sense, I did not feel enough variety in my character. And that's really where you need it. Like you really want to feel like you're, you've got some ability. You want to try something new. You got a new power. You want to change it up. Like each run has to feel fresh in that way. If you're lacking there, that's like, you're missing one of the fundamental building blocks of a positive uh, roguelike experience. Yeah. So yeah, I just, I just. I felt like they wanted me to grind and I didn't want to grind and I felt like I wasn't getting powers and I just wasn't into the combat very much. It's a cool idea and the pixel graphics are pretty good and the style is pretty good, like visually, but I did not put very much time into it. It felt like um, I just kind of just kind of uh, unfriendly to the player and I didn't want to like fight to have to get into it. So I bounced out. Well, for Halloween, I'm running away screaming from that game because it yeah. scares me just that concept. 100% not a Carlos game. I do not recommend it at all. So oh, there you go. And also yep. scary because we're not done with the show. Even you thought we are. Uh, here's a Halloween spectacular surprise at the end. Oh. I uh, just played before the podcast because it only takes 10 minutes. Uh, an indie game called Help Me. It's $1.49. I'm pretty broke. So it was a great price for me. Uh, it's by Wallace Wa Lovecraft. Funny. Uh, Lovecraft. Creepy. Ooh. One guy. And it's a choose-your-own-adventure game with really cool art. Look at the art real quick. Just Google, all right, Google help it. me, Wallace Lovecraft. It takes about 10 minutes to get all the best endings. There's a bunch of bad endings because you basically just die in horrific ways. 
and there's a bunch of good endings, but every good ending is still like messed up. Like, let's just say one of the good endings, you don't have all your limbs. <laughs> and that's like a, and that's good, a good ending. Good ending. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's like this really interesting, like graphic novel uh, art style, um, like kind of indie graphic novel you'd see like on Fantagraphics or something. I just like the art a lot. And it's like grotesque. It's like, but it's funny. And it just reminds me of like a, a weird graphic novel I would buy and just like watching all the different panels. And it takes place, you know, with Choose Your Own Adventure style. You pick two or three different things you can do. And then it shows an art piece of what happened. And again, it's bloody. So it's kind of creepy for Halloween time. But it's also funny and just also weird as hell. Like one of the deaths, you know, you, you can die many ways, is you find like, two guys and then you say to see this girl and the girl has balloons you can go talk to the guys or the girl if you pick the girl there's a minor spoiler for one of the endings you think because she's you know just there and she's got balloons you know no, no harm no foul she ties the balloons around your neck and then you go flying in the air and die uh that's <laughs> an ending so it's just a fun little thing i like choosing adventures dollar 49 creepy time it's called help me that sounds like a win. I if that's on Android, I'm gonna go check that out after the show. So thank you it's for the recommendation. It's twisted and it's super quick and easy. Yeah, go check it out. Excellent, excellent. Help me. That is on iOS and possibly Android. We're gonna find out. Oh, and Steam. Um, I played on Steam. And oh, okay, Steam. There you go. Okay, excellent. Uh, and one more thing, uh, we're going to wrap the show, but just a quick reminder uh, that after the closing credits and after the music, uh, my son Whitaker will be here with a full review of the Eternal Cylinder. He played it on Xbox X, coming from Ace Team. Uh, very interesting game, something that I definitely want to make time for before the end of the year. Uh, we are going to talk to my son and we are going to get his take on the eternal cylinder. So if you're a fan of my son or you're just curious about this game, tune in after the closing credits. And otherwise that is it for this show. Big show, big show. Uh, now that we are here at the end, we'd love to get your questions and comments. Send us anything, anytime you want, anything at all. So video games podcast at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at so video games. We're also on TikTok, So video games podcast, but you can also reach us individually. Carlos, where are we directing your traffic this week? Aha. Halloween surprise number two. Oh, the show isn't over. Cause I just noticed that someone replied to you on Twitter about the juggler's tale. And the fact that we were, we were kind of pinging it that it didn't rhyme all the time. And, the Juggler's Tale, yeah, we read that a couple of times. And Elio was right. saying that it was written in German. Uh, and so in German, it does rhyme more often. I mean, that would make sense because some of those rhymes in English were kind of stretching. Right, bit, right, so, right. I just thought it was yeah. interesting. So thanks, Elio, for that. All right. Yeah, All shout right. out, Elio Campitelli. Thank you for the, the lowdown on the German Juggler's Tale. And then I am uh, Carlos Rodella, R-O-D-E-L-A, on TikTok. So look for me there. As for me, same as usual, it's my name on Twitter and Instagram. It's B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y. All A's and no O's. And that's going to do it for episode 256. Thank you all for spending your time with us here on the Soviet Games Podcast. We do appreciate it. And we'll see you next Friday. But in the meantime, this is Bye from Brad. And Boo from Carlos. Even though I already used that one, but I'm going to do it again. That's it. All right, that was the closing music, and now we are going to be talking to my son, Whitaker, about the Eternal Cylinder. Uh, he played this game. We got a code from the publisher for just such purpose, and he finished it a couple days ago. 
so uh, let's bring you out of the show. Uh, Whitaker, how are you doing today, sir? Oh, good. How about you? I am doing just fine. Thank you. Thank you. So we did get a code for the Eternal Cylinder, and you played it on your Xbox. Is that correct? Yes. All right. Great. Um, I, there may be some people out there who don't know a lot about the Eternal Cylinder. Do you want to give just a really brief explanation about, uh, you know, what it's about? But remember, no spoilers on this podcast, okay? So be very careful not to spoil anything. Yes. So the basis of the game is you start out as a little creature escaping a gigantic stone cylinder crushing literally everything on your planet. The point of the game is to just escape it by, well, I can't spoil it at the beginning, but... But you run away from it, basically. Yes. And then, um, you are not, like, a person. Like, what kind of a creature are you? You play as kind of a Cubert-like creature named the Trebum. It's, uh, I guess, like a little round thing with stumpy legs and a little tr- and a little snout. It's pretty... They're fun to play as, but... I need to ask you, how do you know what Cubert is? Because that's from, like, 30 years before you were born. Well, I mean, you have told me what Cubert is. And I, ha- I have seen pictures. Okay. Uh, okay, so what is it about these Trebums? What can they do? Uh, you said he's kind of like a Cubert kind of a dude, but there's like a lot of them, right? Because I was watching over your shoulder when you were playing, and sometimes there was just one of the dudes, but sometimes you had like a group. So like, what is, I mean, what? why is there a group? How does that work? And like, why, you know, is what's it all about? So in the game, they'll give you chances to hatch Trebum eggs to move on to elder caves to activate these caves you have to use a pressure piston which takes usually two or three trebums to activate and when okay so you need like a couple of them to move on to the next level and talk to this elder guy um so when you're controlling them are you controlling them all at once do you switch between them like how do you like how do you manage a group of them um, you can switch between them by the bumpers. You can also hold down the button to to select one manually instead of just an automatic switching. And if you're controlling just one, what happens to the other ones? Are they just like following you around the whole time, or are they doing their own thing, or what? Yes, the other ones follow you, and if you lose one, they give you a tip that they will always find their way back to you, so you will not have to worry about losing any. And what happens if some of them die? Because, uh, you know, I... As I was watching you, I knew that there were some monsters out there that looked like they were killing Trebums, and of course, the, the giant cylinder, I mean, which is like, you know, it's like, I don't know, 50 stories tall, this giant cylinder, which is just crushing everything. If you lose one of the Trebums, not lose-lose like they, you know, like they wandered off, but if you if they die, what happens then? Well, if they get flattened by the cylinder, they cannot be revived, but within the first few seconds of death, after being killed by, like, a creature or one of the cylinder's servants you can revive them with a special kind of sparkly dust that can be found in elder caves and level up shrines. Okay, so you can bring them back if you need them, because otherwise, I mean, how would you finish the game if all your dudes got ran over or something like that? So, all right, um, that sounds cool, but I guess when I was watching it, the thing that really struck me was how cool the graphics were. Like, it was really abstract and strange and kind of like sci-fi. I mean, what did you think about the way that it looked? Yes, it is. It is very good. I do. I do like the graphics. It reminds me of the Fantastic Planet movie. Oh, just from like nineteen seventy, whatever the French one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, did you? Let's see. So, we talked about the gameplay. We talked about the graphics. So, I guess, how did you feel when you were playing this? Because we had a guy, um, Ali Arkani, who reviewed this for us at Game Critics. He really liked it a lot, and he felt like the game had a lot of good messages about 
um, you know, as a group, uh, respecting others, respecting diversity, because he made the point that some of your Trebums had different abilities at some point. Um, I guess they can morph over time or something. So maybe talk about that. And also, did you feel like, like, what was the message of the game? Well, the message of the game was working together can get stuff done, such as the end of the game, which I'm not going to say, but was a really good ending in teamwork. Okay, and then what about these abilities, right? Because uh, if your Trebums, what, they eat something, they gain powers, or how does, how does that work exactly? So, the very f these things are called mutations. You can find them all around the world that you travel around. Um, some look like cotton balls, others just look like random balls of fur. Others are smaller bugs and animals. Some are eggs of animals, and some are fish. All of them do a different thing. Okay, and so like you eat a fish or you eat a bug or something, and then what happens? And then you'll get a random mutation, such as if you eat a jumping creature's egg, you will get jumpy legs. Okay, and okay, so you can jump higher for you know getting up ledges or something. What other kind of mutations are there? Um, there are a statue, a trebum statue, that if you take the glowing eye out of the statue and crack the hard shell. You can eat it and be able to and be able to possess those statues. All right. And is there uh, okay? So I guess that brings my next question. Is there a lot of combat? Because when I usually when I'm watching you play this game, it seemed like you were mostly running away from stuff. But is there like actual like fighting? Like do you get uh, do you eat something that's really buff and you get like super muscly Trebum who like punches people with its snout, or do you get like a uh, shooty Trebum who has like a you know a clip of ammo in its snout or anything like that or like what how's the combat there, is there combat there is combat there is a special mutation called the mixer body and also the unstable body the unstable body causes you to go on a timer and explode enemies although it does not affect your Trebum and the mixer body takes random ingredients in your inventory and makes them into ammunition that you can shoot at enemies. Okay, so there is combat. Okay, so to wrap up, I know you played this game all the way through, which I think was great. I mean, um, you definitely have finished games before, but uh, you seem to really like this one a lot. So, like, overall, like, what was your feeling about, you know, did you like it? Did you not like it? What was good about it? And, and what did you think about, does it end well? Again, don't spoil anything, but do you feel like it was worth going all the way through? Oh yes, the ending was good. It was very satisfying at the end. And just the story of it with all the uh things about the cylinder and the creatures. It's it's really good. Alright, excellent. So would you recommend it to, to anybody out there who might be looking at the graphics and thinking it looks cool or anybody who likes or I guess who would you recommend it to? Like what kind of player do you think would like this game? I wouldn't recommend it to a person who would like a balance between running away from monsters and exploring an alien planet. All right, that sounds pretty fair. And overall, if you give it, what score would you give it um, out of 10, knowing that at Game Critics, a 5 is totally average and fine, and 10 is like super amazing, 0 is like hot trash. What would you give it? Well, before we do that, I forgot one more thing. Oh, snap. Okay, the what? game's Elder Caves, to get to them... This is not a spoiler, is it? No. You have to do puzzles. Oh, so there's puzzles as well. So it's running away. Some combat and some puzzles. Like, like what? Like, give us one quick example of a puzzle, and then give us your score. Um, sometimes it requires a certain mutation to move on through a puzzle, but they're not super hard once you figure out which mutation you need and where to use them. Okay. Uh, overall, did you get stuck a lot, or did you feel like they were pretty good? I got stuck at one point for a little while, but it actually ended up being quite easy once I got the thing that I needed. 
Okay, well, one stuck point in an entire game, I think, is pretty good as far as puzzles go. So, okay, getting back to the score as we wrap up and let these folks move on with their lives. Uh, out of 10, uh, with five being completely average and fine, what score would you give the Eternal Cylinder? 9.5. Wow, 9.5. That's almost a perfect score. You really liked it a lot, huh? Yes, it was a very good game. All right, well, you heard it here. Uh, not, I guess, I guess you heard it here first, although we wrote about it also at Game Critics. But if you want, uh, the word on the street, here it is from my 12-year-old son, 9.5 for The Eternal Cylinder. We also have a full review from Ali Arkani at GameCritics.com if you want to read his thoughts. But he really loved it as well. And I, God, you know, I feel like he also gave it a 9.5 also, if, I'm, if memory serves. So either way, this is a really highly regarded game that I feel like is going under a lot of people's radars. So it sounds like one to check out. I'm definitely going to try to make time for it myself before December for Game of the Year consideration. And I guess that's all we have to say about it for now. So, Whitaker, thank you for joining us here at uh, So Video Games. You're welcome. See you next time. All right. We'll see you next time. Bye.